Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Postcards from a Dying World. I am your host, Count David Agronoff, and uh, I have gathered a panel of uber nerds to talk about Star Wars, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time if we make references that don't make sense to the majority of the population, because we all come from a very small subculture of straight-edge hardcore, so if we make references to Minor Threat or to Earth Crisis, or especially during the uh, Tales of the Jedi discussion, I apologize ahead of time. However, um, my, this panel is one of a series that I've been doing. I've been doing these for Star Trek. Issa has been a part of all those. Uh, Ryan's been on for Strange New Worlds. And um, so we've been already talking about Star Trek, and I decided that it was time to talk about Star Wars because I like to nerd out on Star Wars as well. So I'm going to introduce my panel, and as I do so, they can give you their uh, Star Wars background, um, how they got into it, and their favorite and least favorite films. I will start off um, myself. I'm David Agronoff, and your host here. And I got into Star Wars like when I was very, very little. Um, Empire Strikes Back was the first I saw in the theater. It's the second movie I remember seeing in the theater to Star Trek The Motion Picture. Um, or it might be the other way around because I'm not sure about the release order, but I think Motion Picture was first. But um, I have a very distinct memory of the audible gasp in the theater with the I am your father reveal. So I've been uh, OG. Uh, I got out of school on the last day of third grade in Bloomington, Indiana to go see Return of the Jedi at an early screen at the College Mall. I'm hardcore. Uh, my Probably my two favorite modern Star Wars films are Rogue One and Last Jedi. Um, my least favorite is one that I hardly can believe exists and don't like to think of existing, and that would be Rise of Skywalker, which is the only Star Wars movie I have never seen a second time. Not even, I made it 30 minutes, that's it. Um, so uh, next I'm going to introduce uh, Ryan J. Downey, who is the host of the Speak and Destroy podcast, among many others. That's a Metallica podcast. Uh, but he also does all kinds of pop culture stuff and is really going to be battling out for Star Wars nerd supreme here with, uh, with the rest of the panel. Uh, Ryan, tell the folks your Star Wars story. I actually tried to find my Yoda pastor of Muppets uh, hoodie to wear for this, I'm, but I, I couldn't find it. So I, I instead wore my Carrie Fisher on the set of the Blues Brothers. Nice. Uh, I, like I actually it. just just showed my kids last night the Carrie Fisher episode of Saturday Night Live, featuring musical guests of the Blues Brothers from like 1978. Uh, <laughs> wow! Shout deep out, cut. not yeah, deep cut and not a lot of laughs. The uh, most of those sketches bombed, like with the audience. And she wasn't that known necessarily. I mean, you got to think 78 Star Wars was huge, of course, but there was just the one. Just the right. one. So, yeah, uh, Dave and I are both Generation X. We're the same age. We're from the same place, uh, almost geographically, the same state anyway. 
So our experiences are, are markedly similar. The first one that I saw was actually the original 77 in the back of the family station wagon with wood panels on it at the drive-in. Um, I have literally just like it's some of my earliest memories and it's like flashes of stormtroopers like I don't remember much else uh and I and I doubt it was actually 77 it was probably 78 maybe even 79 because I know Star Wars played for a long time because it was so massively popular and then yeah I have uh, more vivid memories of Empire and then definitely Jedi and at that point my brother and I were collecting all the toys and so on skipping ahead by a few decades um you know, I saw Phantom Menace seven times in the theater. Um, I, uh, when I moved to California about 20 years ago, I was the uh, lead movie reporter for MTV News. And my first press screening as a member of the press that I ever went to was for Attack of the Clones. And I sat uh, a couple seats away from George Lucas and right next to Master P. So got that going for me. It's a Star Wars memory. Um <laughs> And then uh, a, a big a big thing that I don't want to skip over in this little introduction is that I am a massive, massive fan of the Clone Wars, uh, the not to be confused with the theatrical version of a few episodes or the Tarkovsky thing, which was neat in its own way, but this series that ran on Cartoon Network for a long time and once upon a time was the only Star Wars we were getting after the prequel trilogy. A lot of fans, casual fans don't necessarily know this, but all of the extended universe stuff that was happening, uh, all these books and all these comics and all the stuff that was out there, Lucas was more or less allowing it, but not really paying attention to it. And George Lucas has always said what was canon were the, at the time the six theatrical movies and the Clone Wars cartoon. And he had this guy, Dave Filoni, that was really his like understudy protege that he put I'm campaigning for Dave Filoni to become the Kevin Feige of Star Wars, which I think he's almost there. But uh, he was the guy running that show with Lucas. The show's incredible. It really sort of fixes and makes a lot of sense of the prequels and a lot of the, uh, the things about the prequels that are maligned get kind of propped up by what they were doing on TV. And it's important to bring that up because that was the first Star Wars that I introduced my kids to. Um, my daughter was very young when the Clone Wars cartoon was airing on TV. So that was her first Star Wars experience was just the Clone Wars series. And I, I remember being with her in Target one day and she saw a Chewbacca action figure and she said, look, daddy, it's Ahsoka's friend. <laughs> right. Because her association with Chewbacca is a character that was on like a couple of episodes of a like, you know, seven season long series. And uh, fast forward to when The Force Awakens comes out and I had been waiting to show the theatrical movies to my kids as like some kind of event. Uh, well, their uncle uh, took my daughter to The Force Awakens unbeknownst to me. And uh, so that was the first Star Wars movie she saw having only seen the Clone Wars cartoon. And she was like, why are the clones the bad guys? What is happening? <laughs> oh man <laughs> this movie. So, yeah and then to to link up with count ags uh rogue one is definitely by far my uh unapologetic unreserved impassioned impassionately supported new star wars theatrical film that i really love i like the last jedi and i'm sure we'll we'll dig into that a little bit more as we go and uh, i did manage to see the rise of skywalker twice and uh it was even worse the second time <laughs> and it was god awful the first time 
even worse the second time. I feel like the the one thing that Rise of Skywalker succeeded in was in uniting the Star Wars fandom and reviling appointment. Yeah. All factions of it, whether they, bl- you know, half of them blamed it on the movie before, or half of them blamed it on the movie, two movies before, whatever you blamed it on. I think most fans could agree that it was a gigantic pile of shit. Uh, so that's it. That's what yeah, I uh, Isa, give us okay, so, Star Wars history. Yeah, so uh, there was a time when I would have been considered the biggest Star Wars nerd around. And that time was probably about 20 years ago or so. Uh, and since then, I would be considered a, a non-Star Trek, Star Wars nerd at all. Um, I, you know, I've, I saw the movies in the theaters. I didn't see, I lived overseas and didn't see the Star Wars when it originally ran. I'm a few years older than these guys. Um, but I did see it when they re-released into the theaters before Empire Strikes Back came out. So I saw the original trilogy in the theaters for, for uh, Return of the Jedi. I totally woke up at like three in the morning and uh, went to the movie theater and sat in line to get tickets um, and then skipped school to, to watch the movie, of course. Um, you know, and I even, I was a little bit like, okay, these Ewoks are kind of stupid, but I, I pretty much loved it at the time. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, there's no way they could take out the stormtroopers. Come on. But I was, I was young enough that it was still like, okay, that's fine. I'll get, I'll give you that, you know? Um, and then I read the book. I read a lot of the books. I read like, you know, Splinter of the Mind's Eye and, uh, uh, the Thrawn books later, the, the Heir to the Empire series. Um, and then I kind of stopped. And then I watched the prequels when they came out and the kind of a funny story about the first prequel. I, I just saw a friend at a wedding who I hadn't seen in a long time. And he was like, hey, when you saw him, like I, my band was going to tour in Europe and we saw an early morning show the day uh, of uh, the episode one was released. And then we went straight to the airport and got on a plane. So we got to Europe and it hadn't been released there yet. And we were like the first people in Europe who had seen the movie essentially. And some kid asked me how it was. And I was like, it was awesome. (laughs) Like, it wasn't my fault. I was very, I hadn't gotten a lot of sleep. I was getting ready for tour. It was early in the morning. Uh, And the lightsaber battle at the end is freaking maybe the best scene in any Star Wars movie. So with the, with the, um, the, the memory of that hype in the audience, first day hype, fresh in my mind, I was like, this movie was great. And I told everyone how awesome it was. And so this kid came up to me, you know, just a few weeks ago, he was like, when you told me episode one was awesome, were you messing with me? <laughs> and I didn't, you know, I had no memory of the whole experience of telling him that, but, but yeah, that was, uh, and then, you know, I watched the other, the other prequel movies and I enjoyed them. Uh, I mean, I didn't really enjoy them, but they were like movies and they had lightsabers and whatever. Right. Um, I'm sort of take, I will take Phantom Menace over Rise of Skywalker any day. I, any day. But I mean, ahead. it's hard. Yeah, I, I would too. But at the same time, you know, without getting into the specifics, I think everyone has probably talked this to death, but I feel like Phantom Menace is mostly just silly, but the good parts are really, really good. Um, and that's pretty much all the fight. Like if you, if you cut out a lot of it and just kept the lightsaber fights, you'd have a pretty good movie. Um, you know, whatever, the trade stuff, whatever, Anakin flying a ship, whatever, the podcast of pod racing, you know, get rid can of I, I say just can I say one thing quickly that I've that I've realized in recent years? The prequel trilogy are good ideas executed poorly, totally. and the sequel trilogy are no ideas executed well. <laughs> I'm gonna disagree <laughs> a little bit because I think there were some 
really good parts of the new trilogy as well. Um, I really like Kylo Ren. I understand why some people don't, but I thought he was a, a well done character. Like, I feel like that is how a young, whiny Sith would be, you know, and it was sort of like the opposite of Luke Skywalker being a young whiny kid. It was like the, you know, the emo, emo Sith or whatever. I, I enjoyed that. Um, and like, you know, the little things like the, the, the stuff between Ray and Ren were really good. I thought so whatever we don't, we don't, we won't have to get too sidetracked, but so I, I said executed well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I thought the ideas there were good too. Um, but, but okay. But so uh, I'll, I'll say one more thing and then I'll get into what I'm different. What's different about me as a general Star Wars fan. But so then I, I, I haven't watched the Clone Wars. Um, I did watch the new shows and I was just very underwhelmed. Um, I think what I like about Star Wars is is maybe different from what most people like about Star Wars. Um, I was never like a, a toy collector or anything like that. I never cared about the the super minor characters. Like I've never understood why Boba Fett is so popular. It's like the guy does nothing in any of the movies. He falls into a pit. Like, you know, but there's this like offline uh, or whatever the word would be back in the 80s. Um, there's this like non-movie thing where he has this whole backstory and all this stuff and whatever. And I feel like there are people who love Boba Fett because of stuff that wasn't in any of the movies. And I, I never really, really got that. Um, what I like about Star Wars is, is kind, kind of comes down to two things. I think the lightsaber battles are cool. And I think the, uh, I've forgotten what the second thing was. I'm just going to admit it. I, <laughs> I definitely think the lightsaber battles are cool. Oh, and I like the format that they kind of perfected in Return of the Jedi, where Act 3 is three different adventure series all edited together in a really, really exciting way. That Those two things, to me, are what Star Wars is and, and Han Solo. I, I feel like he really made... Harrison Ford's character just made... Took, took Star Wars from just, like, some movie to, like, this is amazing. And, and I think in a lot of the newer iterations and stories and whatever, they're just missing that and it'll never be the same for me. And that might just me being me be being old, but that's, that's how I see it. So that's why I am the least big Star Wars fan on this panel now, even if I would have been a long time ago. All right, Dawood, uh, tell the folks who you are and uh, give them your Star Wars cred. You, sir, are here because no one goes deeper in Star Wars nerddom to me. I'm like, and always, if I make any reference to like the extended universe, like you appear like Candyman getting called. Like, <laughs> no, give everybody your Star Wars story and your cred. All right, so I'm. The, I think I'm the youngest person on the panel. Um, I was born after A New Hope came out. Oh um, so I think my, my earliest memories of Star Wars, like memory memories are Return of the Jedi and probably like the Ewoks TV movies, weirdly. <laughs> um, I think I saw Star Wars, uh, I think I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater when I was probably three. Uh, and that's kind of mixed up with maybe seeing E.T. as well around the same time. So... I remember more vividly like going to the toy store in the mall and getting a Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker figure. Um, <clears throat> and it's just kind of being around because my older cousin was super into Star Wars. Um, so my fandom didn't truly start 
until I was like 12, 13 years old. And I picked up a couple of expanded universe novels at a Sam's club. So I'm, my Star Wars is almost more literary than it is filmic because I read so many of the novels throughout junior high, high school, and then later on, like as it grew even beyond that, like as the prequel trilogy is coming out, there's tons of novels coming out. So I'm reading all that stuff, watching those movies in the theater, being disappointed by them in many ways, but having the books and comic books. Um, so I go really deep into pre-Disney Star Wars like lore like that. And I'm, I'm on board for post-Disney lore too. Like I really do. I'm, not, I'm the only person that, that likes Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I like the Emperor coming back. I like that because... Like Rise of Skywalker? You're the one? I like it and I know that it's not good. Like <laughs> it's kind of like... I like Batman v Superman, but it's not good. I can respect that. There is a, there is a difference between best and favorites, and and right. This is good, and I like this. They can be different. I liked the way Rise of Skywalker starts picking on things that were in the old like expanded universe continuity, where the Emperor comes back, he tempts a Skywalker to the dark side, all that stuff. I enjoyed it. It's badly executed in terms of the narrative that they've seemed to have started with and then sort of like they'll dropped him in there. I think they could have teased it a little more if they were actually planning on doing that. I don't think they were planning on that. I don't think they had a plan, <laughs> but that's sort of my star Wars pedigree. I have tons of collectibles. I have an extensive library of star Wars novels, comic books, and I played most of the video games. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, yeah, and you you talk about, I, I know too that you've uh, written and blogged and stuff about uh, Jedi spirituality and how it connects to your life too. Um, yeah. The thing that you've done as well. So, you know, uh, that's part of one of the reasons why you're here. Um, and certainly I like, you know, as much as I can't stand Rise of Skywalker, if somebody's going to come on and defend it, you know, I, I, I think that's great. Um, <laughs> because I don't want everyone to just be an echo chamber, right? I don't know if there's much of a defense for it. It's just I enjoy some of the things they put together there, but it's definitely like a couple of movies edited together. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and one of the reasons why I invited Issa is because I knew he was a, a somewhat tepid uh, Star Wars fan, and I actually kind of wanted I wanted an excuse to force him to watch some of the cartoons as well. Uh, <laughs> pun, oh, yeah. pun intended? Yeah, no, it was intended. It was like, oh, if I invite Isa on, I'll make him. No, no, I'm saying you wanted to force him to watch. I'm sorry. That was good. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Isa. Mind tricked him. For the pity affirmation. So, but anyways, this is a fun panel to to get into Star Wars. So, as you can see, these I gather nerds very carefully. Um, and uh, it is kind of cool too that we're three fourths Indiana as well, so um, Indiana origins. I, I just want to say that I thought it was hilarious that that uh, Downey thought that he should say that you guys are from different parts of Indiana, like the rest of the country cares. Like, oh, I'm sorry, he's from northern <laughs> Indiana, not southern. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah, it matters to us, but yeah, yeah. yeah. 
sure. Right. I'm sure it does. Okay. I'm from Michiana. <laughs> I mean, well, we are from, we are representing three very different cultures within Indian culture. For sure. <laughs> I will, I will take your word for it. Hey, and how we, how we got Star Wars toys was very different too, because I used to have to come to, to Ryan's neighborhood to get limited edition toys at the Greenwood Mall that we wow. couldn't get in my town. So, you know. Okay. Anyways, I, I, grew up, I grew up in Washington, D.C., the birthplace of straight edge hardcore. You might have heard of it, you know. Uh, <laughs> cool. Indiana was cool too, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. So uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today, of course, is the book of Boba Fett. Uh, we got to get into it a little bit. And of course, you know, because we haven't done these panels before, if you want to throw in some some thoughts about the Mandalorian and those kinds of things, feel free to do that. But I want to move on to obi-wan somewhat quick um my personal feeling um i have enjoyed the mandalorian um i have liked the two seasons i don't think it's quite the salvation of star wars that some people think it is for the modern era i'm more into the rogue one to the in in the last jedi i love that last jedi tried to like shake it up a bit uh one thing that is funny on this panel though is that because of ryan's position he was a lot he was able to see last jedi at its premiere and i remember very distinctly days before last jedi came out ryan downey saying this is a good one you're all gonna love it <laughs> and uh um i mean i did right i loved it as well i thought it was the best of the new i movie. was laughing out loud at the premiere in excitement over like certain key moments just because we had we had had that year in between or however long it was since the force awakens and all the mystery box bullshit and people go people with all of their theories and trying to like read the tea leaves and discern like what's this mean and what's this going to happen and everyone i shouldn't say everyone but so much of the fandom went into the last jedi with all with they'd written the movie in their heads already and then from oh. the moment you know we, we'd spent a year going like what's going to happen when luke takes the lightsaber <laughs> Oh man, that shoulder. I just started laughing because I was like, no way. And yeah. I had the yeah. same reaction to Snoke getting sliced in half. You know, who is Snoke? Where is he from? Blah, 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 blah. And this is the middle of the movie. They're just like, oh, he's dead. Oh, Captain Phasma? <laughs> we just like threw her in a pit of lava. Like all those decisions, I was just like, this is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, those are, I feel like all those of are that all... bullshit and say, like, I'm doing something different here, and you're going to have to just get on board or be real mad and a lot of people well, that year of speculation is what sank that movie with so much of the fandom like well, it, it was too uh you know you can't you can't change the story that much and the the problem with the the sequels i guess we're calling them the sequel trilogy is that it just didn't have a plan you know that There's was no the, plan. Uh, and, 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 and he painted he painted whoever took the baton on the next one into a corner because if Luke Skywalker was absent all those years, which was what was established and Force Awakens, JJ did with Force Awakens. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. He, like who? Like he has to have had a really good reason to be there. Whoever whoever was getting the baton passed to them had the uh, thankless task of coming up with a reason why Luke Skywalker wasn't a hero anymore. Yeah, it's it's I think they, they set up all the mysteries and then there's zero payoff. Yeah, because there was and nothing to any of the mysteries. It was, what yes, if I have a character that's like the Emperor? What if I have a character that's like Darth Vader? What right. if I have a character that's like <laughs> Luke Skywalker? Like, those were the ideas. And then we'll 
how are they different? I don't know. It's a mystery. Somebody else will figure that out. Well, the, it didn't <laughs> help that I think the, the production schedule, the production yeah. schedule yeah. really jacked them up because they're, you're talking, they're developing Last Jedi as Force Awakens is being made and not like with the space to course correct or reshuffle things to make things make more sense and work more cohesively. Yeah. Same thing happens with uh, episode nine, whether you're talking Earth. Duel of the Fates or Rise of Skywalker, like Duel of Fates just gets scrapped because I don't know, really know why Trevorrow was canned or left. Because, his, um, because he had a big his, his movie, movie come out failed. before and it flopped. And that's how, okay, yeah. that's how, that, that's the little amount of confidence in the decisions by committee that were happening. I think. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the fate of rogue squadron now too, at that point, at this point with Patty Jenkins and wonder woman too. But, yeah. uh, the, you've got only a year and then Carrie Fisher dies <laughs> and like everything they had planned sort of is out the window at that point. Well, and right, because that was the thing also with, I mean, you mentioned Batman v Superman. You just described justice league also, cause they're already, yeah pushing forward, making not one, but two Justice League movies. And then Batman v Superman comes out and everyone's like, wait, this is terrible. And the student's <laughs> like, uh-oh. <laughs> and then you just end up uh, with this garbled mess of literally like, I, I think film classes are someday going to study how much The Rise of Skywalker is one director um, arguing with another director that made the movie just before him. <laughs> And, yeah. and what's fascinating about the theatrical cut of Justice League is it's literally two different, even more than Superman 2, which we were all too little to understand what had happened. You're literally just watching two different directors with two completely different tones and visions fight yeah. one another. And uh, it's from that perspective, like these kind of messes are fascinating, but it still doesn't get around the fact that we have an actual line of dialogue in the saga ending entry of the, the I know where you're going. Triple trilogies that is somehow Palpatine returned. Right. That's literally the line. Yeah. Well, that that's a bad. Is... That's such a terrible line. Like, <laughs> and they had sort of an explanation built in there, right? Like they threw it away with uh, Mary, <laughs> Mary from Lord of the Rings, being like, uh, "Dark they science like cloning." Yeah, stuff. <laughs> and this is this is where I'll, I'll bring it back to what I was saying about Dave Filoni and how what he was doing in the animated space was really um, fleshing out the prequels. He's I think he's attempting to do the same thing now with the sequel trilogy because I think a lot of this story building with Grogu and and you know with the remnants of the Empire and with um, you know. Uh, the obvious cloning stuff that they're hinting at. I think he's going back and filling in that somehow Palpatine returned. I would love for them to give him an animated series for the era yeah. to do that with. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that, that's one of the structural, like, I can't believe they did this things about Rise of Skywalker that just shows that they weren't thinking about it very, very well is that Rise of Skywalker basically opens with the james bond villain explaining the the whole thing speech in the first scene right <laughs> like you know where he's explaining to kylo this well i believe the speech was actually heard in Fortnite. yeah <laughs> not forget right. that part right yeah oh yeah and critical, he and announces his return movie, you, had to, you had to find it in Fortnite. 
and they tell you there's an ominous message in the crawl, right? And then like that's in the in Fortnite, and they could have put that in the movie, right? Well, look, and this is this is this is all of us avoiding talking about um, Book of Boba Fett uh, <laughs> partially, but um, and listen, I admit I have a little bit of bias because um, you know. Uh, knowing Josh and and having talked to him about what Josh was planning to do with book with his Boba Fett movie, which never ended up happening, and he was planning a trilogy, and basically, you know, whether people agree with it or not, his plan was to remake the 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 Dollars trilogy, the the Clint Eastwood Dollars trilogy with Boba Fett, and mm. the idea was not intended make... as a trilogy and doesn't star the same character. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and uh, well. Yeah, but remaking like the the vibe of it, and the idea is that you could make a cheap first one, where it's just a character driven story about like here's this guy and he's manipulating all these people, which of course we know, uh, Fistful of Dollars is a remake of Yujimbo anyways, so it ties into Star Wars, and I thought it was a smart concept, and if he'd gotten to do it, I think it would have been better than Book of Boba Fett, but that's I'm I'm biased, but that being said, um, the the what we got is you know teased out or spun out of the mandalorian and more than any other show the book of boba fett maybe of any show i've watched anywhere in television over the last couple of years you can tell that it was made under pandemic um restrictions and a lot of shows hide that better than others but Book mm. of Boba Fett was terrible for that. You could tell that something was missing. The production was off. And director to director in Book of Boba Fett, some pulled it off better than others. And you could tell the skill of... And look, somebody who... Robert Rodriguez is a very accomplished director, but his episodes were were, were kind of lazy in the direction, uh, in my opinion. And for me, the only episode of Book of Boba Fett that really worked, besides the ones that were actually Mandalorian episodes, <laughs> you know, the, the Mandalorian episodes worked and then the train heist episode worked. And then, but the structure with the flashbacks was all messed up um, and they really shouldn't have done it in flashbacks. They should have just started the story at the beginning. And I think it would have actually worked better if they started at the beginning and just told it um, with no box to tanks, none of that. Um, that's my they... They could have had a whole season one where it was just Boba and the Tuscan tribe. And it would have worked really, really well. And they just jumbled it all up with the present day story, and which felt like it didn't really go anywhere. See, I, I felt the opposite. I was like, this Dances with Wolves crap is just so... <laughs> and I thought that was all just terrible. Um, and I understand they were trying to give like a story to the character or whatever, but I would have much preferred if they'd only focused on the actual, like, I guess the real time stuff and uh, had a real story there instead of it just being, you know, whatever it was. Uh, I mean, I just remember it being like a bunch of episodes of really boring stuff and then a dinosaur attacks everyone, you know, like it was like... Uh, <laughs> It was, it was, it was, I was not very impressed with the series as well. I did like least, train heist. That was at, cool. At least the train heist and some of the Tuscan stuff had some kinetic energy. Whereas sure. a lot of the scenes, the action scenes in the modern story, they were just kind of like, all right, Boba's walking yeah. around now. No, totally. Yeah. Now he's walking I, into somebody. Now the, the huts <laughs> are being rolled up to him and he's still walking. 
And a lot of that was like, he's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the vast. Let's not You've forget. Been quiet on Book of Boba Fett, but uh, what do you? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I completely agree with you. More so than anything else I can think of in recent memory, it feels like a pandemic TV series. It's like a season-long bottle episode of a mm. show like i feel like we're in java's we're in we're not only we're not even in java's palace we're in like a room or two of java's palace and then like walking down the same couple of streets for almost the whole show it's interesting you guys all mentioned the train heist because I, I really like that episode too and i really like the train heist in solo i thought that was the part that worked the best of the solo movie it's kind of weird that we have that many train heists that close together in live action star wars <laughs> civilization that doesn't necessarily make sense for them to even have those trains i don't know but you, trains, you know i here, here's here's my thing with book of boba fett i i like the casting which i know not everyone loved um i, I thought the cat the main cast anyway was fine i think the episodes of the mandalorian that clearly are just episodes of the mandalorian were good um and felt very disconnected from the show i will say from like a thirty thousand foot view and this will be interesting later on in a different episode whenever if we reconvene to talk about Andor. I think that this show, more than any of the other Star Wars shows, this one and Kenobi, which we'll talk about, would have really benefited from the Netflix model. Because I agree with you about the structure of the flashbacks and the present day stuff and it being a mess. But I think had we had the opportunity to binge Book of Boba Fett, I think these shows, this Disney Plus release model, and I would say this about a lot of the Marvel shows, WandaVision being a big case in point. And some of it's my own fault. Mm. No, I agree 100%. Watches Easter egg videos and stuff like that. But it is suffering a bit from that year-long gap between Force Awakens and Last Jedi problem where even just giving us a week between episodes is giving us a week to do all this headcanon and all these expectations and to look into, oh, and was this pointing to this? And is this going to happen? And, and are we going to see this character in this show? And uh, you know, when all those things inevitably don't happen, it's just setting up like a bunch of disappointment for a lot of things that the show didn't necessarily owe us. And I think that, you know, having had the opportunity to watch it like a Netflix show, we might view some of these shows differently because, we, you know, we wouldn't have been waiting a week in between to see like. So I, uh, I actually always binge these shows. I wait till the last episode is about to come out. And, you know, if I can time it right, I time it so I watch the last episode with everyone else so I don't get spoiled. Um, and it, I, I, in my opinion, it makes all these shows that are just too little for bite size watching much better to watch it all at once. And, and by all at once, I mean, I watch like maybe two episodes a day for, you know, every day. Yeah, that's um, smart. And it, it really makes it much more enjoyable for me. I, I, I hate waiting a week. You know, I like can barely remember what happened in the last episode and stuff where, especially, especially Book of Boba Fett, where so little happens. Like if you if you wrote out like what happened in the season, it was like Tuscan tribe, some random bad guy bikers or whatever. Um, and then a big fight for control of the city. That was basically just a whole episode of weird of fighting and running, you know um, it's, it's almost like three bullet points. And so to drag that out over, you know, however, I don't know how many episodes it was, but like eight or 10 or whatever episodes it was, it was just too much. And so watching. We learned very little about Boba Fett in a show called the book of Boba Fett. Totally. Whereas the Mandalorian, we spent so much time with the Mandalorian <clears throat> that that character has become infinitely more fascinating than Boba Fett, yeah. who, as you mentioned, Disa was the fascination was really just it, he looked so cool. Yeah, and, cool and toy. We didn't, we didn't, yeah, we didn't have VHS. We didn't have, you know, 
could yeah. go on YouTube and watch the Duel of the Fates fight right after it happened. Uh, so a lot of those theatrical experiences were colored by just these flashes we got. And yeah, yeah people spent, you know, how long in between Empire and Return of the Jedi wondering about Boba Fett and what his deal yeah. was. What, yeah, what was I, I mean, I think the fascination of with Boba Fett is driven by the toy. Um, you also had that, the like toy that didn't release, the one with the like firing rocket pack. They were like this, the, that never came out. So you had a, a lackluster Boba Fett toy, but everyone was like, the one that we didn't get was amazing. And it drives the narrative of the character. Plus he was awesome as the only cool thing to come out of the holiday special. Right? <laughs> and then he's like super silent dude in Empire. And for the three years leading up to Return of the Jedi, people were speculating about who this character was. And then he falls into a mouth in the sand. <laughs> Because <laughs> George was like, he's not that cool, guys. We can't we can't wrap up talking about Book of Boba Fett without mentioning to me the most egregious thing about it, which is that it there are some elements of it that just pull you right out of Star Wars so violently. Uh, one is the uh, Scooter Gang, which I think was the probably mods. maligned and most rightfully maligned part of the show, Awful. and which Awful. ties into the Scooter Gang was this dude Thundercat. Now, we're all people with some connection to music. I didn't know who Thundercat was, but I knew as soon as he showed up, like, oh, that's somebody. And uh, not only is he just playing himself in Star Wars, but they're playing Thunder, like, it's a Thundercat song. Yeah. And he shows up. I didn't even notice that, and I don't even know. I don't even remember. Uh, well, it, remi it reminds me of, of how Sync almost showed up in the Battle of Geonosis. They actually filmed it because what? one of Lucas's kids was a, you guys all know this? One of Lucas's kids was like, in sync and so he brought in sync to set because they love star wars and his kids loved in sync it was very much of the moment and they're in the battle of geonosis in the arena and it was just like here's a lightsaber do whatever you want because we're just going to fill in you know things robots that you're slicing uh, and, and it exists they filmed it that would have made the what we've got in that scene even worse because you can oh, right it bothers me every time i watch that movie just how bad the jedi extras are at what they're supposed to be doing because it was in sync apparently so <laughs> yeah but in sync in any random like lucasfilm <laughs> employee i'm sure well some family member appealed to reason at some point and got lucas to cut it i don't know if it was rick mccollum <laughs> or whoever how the story goes but i i do know that somewhere in there someone must have argued like Hey, having these dudes show up, you know, it would be like having oh. Michael Jackson or I don't know, like somebody in the, you know what I mean, in the original trilogy that's going to date it to that like forever, you know, if like yeah. John Denver was in the first Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so, or Jefferson Starship. Like I'm like, how did we avoid that 20 years ago? And now we have some dude Thundercat showing up to his own song playing. Yeah, it must I, be friends with Robert Rodriguez or something, right? Yeah, but it's just, I mean, that sort of <laughs> stuff. So he was the guy, Issa, that worked on the Scooter Gang, gave them like their little droid body parts and stuff. And Boba Fett brings Fennec Shan to him and is like, fix her. And he's like, Thundercat music's playing. And he just looks like Thundercat. And he's doing droid stuff. <laughs> my, he's my, like, I got a robot he's hand. He's <laughs> going wicka, wicka, wicka on her, on her stomach. Right. My, my main question is, if you're in the Scooter Gang, Let's say someone leaves the gang or whatever, like some new, some new person joins. 
do they have to ride that color scooter? Like, what if they are used to riding like a green scooter? Now suddenly they're the yellow Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything on the scooter gang was was wrong. But I will. What for me another egregious thing with uh, Book of Boba Fett was that so many really important things happened for the Mandalorian storyline. Grogu making his choice. Luke Skywalker returning that had nothing to do with Book of Boba Fett. No, Luke, Luke and Ahsoka hanging out and Ahsoka like name dropping Anakin. And I mean, the yeah, like these huge fan service moments that like. That's honestly the episode I go to the most from that show. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, I think it should have been the Mandalorian Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Because like every season so far. Mandalorian is present like the episodes are chapters, right? So it's supposed to be some kind of a, like a, a like a visual book in some kind of way. So why not just subtitle a, a season that sort of takes place in between seasons two and three of Mandalorian as Book of Boba Fett instead of saying like this is Boba Fett's thing. Well, look, instead of it just being like this is a filler, <laughs> like like I agree with you now. Here's the thing. Downey, I mostly agree with you that Dave Filoni should be the Kevin Feige of Star Wars for the most part. I think he he's he, his biggest fumble here was Book of Boba Fett. He was involved as a producer. I know it wasn't ultimately his decision, but he was involved in saying like, this is a good place to do this, or he was involved in overseeing this. And one thing that some Star Wars fans do is they give Dave Filoni... They make him sound like he can do no wrong, that he doesn't make Mm -hmm. mistakes. And it's okay to make mistakes. Not everyone's going to be perfect. So I'm not anti-Dave Filoni for saying this. I just think that he made some mistakes here, um, or they all did, doing this show um, in this way and then unfolding in this way. Usually narrative choices, I agree with Dave Filoni because I think Clone Wars is super great. I think The Bad Batch is great. Um, and what they're building. Great. yeah, and that I, sequel trilogy era cartoon was almost unwashable, and that well, was him, so. it's got some really cool stuff in it that needed more work, yeah. And, um, yeah, I couldn't even watch it, it was it was hard to watch. I, I, I didn't finish it because because it hurt my brain, it just didn't work. But, um, so Book of Boba Fett, I mean, we don't have to go too much further on it other than to say that. It was kind of well. I guess we should talk about Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker is important there. Um, I, you know, everybody saw it coming for a little bit. <laughs> the fan theories were out there, part of that whole thing of the week leading up. Um, I assumed that was going to happen. Um, I didn't personally take me by surprise. Um, now, one of the things about Last Jedi is you had the the fans that were upset that that Luke didn't take on the whole first order with his lightsaber. And so this is a little bit of fan service, which he sort of did, but didn't, which was awesome. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I personally like what he did in last Jedi better because it's more fitting with his character. The guy who threw away his lightsaber at the end of return of the Jedi. Um, So last Jedi makes more sense with Luke's character. Although for, you know, in those in between years, I'm sure he's Jedi. He's doing Jedi things. I'm fine with it. Um, I just think that there was a degree that we got a little bit of, of fans being like, that's a Luke Skywalker we deserved. And that was a little bit much for me. I don't know how anybody yeah. else, but 
Um, but that being said, um, and I'm I'm not personally sure. We'll have to see how it plays out in Mandalorian season three. <laughs> but at the time, I don't know how many how about anybody else felt, but I actually was kind of upset that Grogu chose uh, Mando. I actually thought it was a. I I personally was hoping in that scene that Grogu would would choose to stay with Luke at least for a while because we know I don't want Grogu getting killed by Kylo, but. Um, yeah. I was just. I think. It, I think it was lazy for those two reasons. I think because, you know, we throw around the phrase fan service a lot. I think it was really lazy fan service to have him choose Mando because that gets rid of the oh no, does he die in the Jedi Temple that everyone's worried about from the moment we saw, yeah. and and it also gets us whatever what ostensibly works the best about the show that everybody loves, which is the adventures of Lone Wolf and Cub, and. Yeah to me it's it's sort of a lazy it's a very tv thing though right how you always have to kind of reset the board and it has to go back to you know lois lane always eventually forgets that she knows clark Kent is superman somehow because things got to kind of go back to like and that's the setup of the show is him taking care of this kid and they would have had they would have been challenged to take the show in a different direction without grogu and obviously they weren't well and i'm not saying that. i'm not saying you couldn't bring grogu back in but i think it would have been a more interesting thing character-wise if Grogu made yeah. that choice and eventually Mando had to find him again, you know, or Luke couldn't handle Grogu or something happened where, you know, there's plenty of story things they could have done. I just personally was hoping Grogu would make the choice to train as a Jedi. That's all. I have I have a very unpopular Ahsoka opinion that's that relates to this, which is that I, she's one of if not my number one favorite jedi character possibly star wars character in all of star wars amazing um i think that they really cheated uh, twice you know, i'll tell you how once is that uh, spoiler alert that she leaves the jedi order towards the end of the clone wars because the whole time you're watching the show as you're getting attached to these characters you're also thinking in the back of your mind like wow this she's done <laughs> she's not around in the original trilogy and we all know what happens to the jedi so wow this is dark and yeah, i mean it's like, even worse because you're like she's not even in revenge of the sith yeah exactly and the same right. and the, exactly and the same thing with um with rex and a lot of the clones that you get attached to is you, is you also think like man these, these guys are all gonna break bad before this is yeah. done this is crazy so I, I think it was a cheat having her leave the jedi order so she could conveniently not get killed and then when they had the chance to um you know to do rebels the bigger cheat i thought was uh you know it's like they just put her in rebels because she's so popular right and i love seeing her i'm the i am served by that fan service because i'm like yay ahsoka but the the biggest cheat i think and it's i it's a real story problem in my opinion she should have died in twilight of the apprentice when the, when they're in the, they're on Malachor, they're in the Sith Temple. She's fighting Vader. Um, she says, "I won't leave you." He says, "Then you will die." And it's this great emotion. It's one of the best moments in Star Wars. And the temple collapses, and we only see Vader come out. That should have been it. She should have died. And it was so, it was cheating. And it's and it's and it's literally retconning her death is a way to go like, "Yay!" Now we can have her show up in Mandalorian, and now she has her own show and. Her adventures continue, and it's like, man, you gotta, you gotta close the loop on some of these stories. I think for them. See, too. I didn't even know who she was until uh, the Mandalorian. So, 
you know, maybe they're just doing it fan service for people like me. Well, I can say <laughs> 3,000 feet view, I had a friend who asked me about five or six episodes into the first season of Mando, who he was watching it, and he asked me if I was watching it, and he told me he loved it. And then he said in a unironic way, so this guy's like, so this he's Boba Fett, right? This is a show about Boba Fett. <laughs> that's we also got to remember that's most people that's, yeah someone who had watched half of the first season of mandalorian and thought he was watching a show about Boba Fett. Right. well he doesn't take the helmet and off he, and not an idiot just somebody who just kind of likes star wars and yeah. well, who people are watching started watching. i sort of agree with you ryan that that would have been a good end to the ahsoka storyline but i'm also kind of glad we're getting to see rosario dawson play her and i know but somehow ahsoka's alive ezra's alive uh the emperor's alive <laughs> the emperor's alive somehow <laughs> can i jump a... ahead then and ask a question what yeah. was the scene where where uh captain rex is like i hope all that training plays off and they walk into the room full of clone war people clone war so people. that is right at the time of order 66 okay that's that, what so, I, that, that brings us into a moment in the last clone episode wars. of of the Clone Wars, where yeah. okay. all, all right. the where where Ahsoka has to fight all those clones, including Jesse, who's one of the the clone leading all the clones she's fighting is Jesse, who's one of the ones in that training exercise. And okay. so, yeah. what they're setting up is that Anakin gave her the training that allowed her to survive Order sixty six, survive in a way that other Jedi didn't, because we saw in Revenge of the Sith a lot of Jedi die from a bunch of clones shooting at them. Yeah, like Anakin. Gave I, her the key to stop the thing that he unleashed, basically. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the the weaker things about Star Wars in general for me was that the Jedi were just so easy to kill. I was just like a little disappointed. It didn't bother me so much, but what's bothering me about some of this, this you know, you mentioned uh, the Star Wars games earlier. The only one I've ever played is um, Law and Order, which I loved. But the more we get these characters like Cal Kestis and, you know, at least Kanan dies in Rebels. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, you know, the more we have Ezra, the more we have Ahsoka. And I understand the need to do it, but it really undermines uh, Luke Skywalker being a new hope, you know, and that boy was our only hope. And like, it's like, well, no, now we know there's all kinds of little pockets of amazing, talented, well-meaning, heroic maybe, Jedi. Maybe Yoda and Ben just didn't respect all those other Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I, well, they did. It's weird, right? Because a teenager who, who had never yeah. done anything. Well, yeah, it just it really. I mean, much like the sequel trilogy itself undoes. But but that's the whole. Of, like, uh, my biggest complaint about the prequels was that it ends in a way that just makes no sense. And I've said this before, um, and I'm, I apologize, David, if I'm repeating myself. But it ends with like the the bad guys have just taken over. Yoda has just fought um, Palpatine. And kind of lost, but, you know, it wasn't, like, horrible. He lost. Um, and so instead of being like, all right, let's re-marshal our forces and attack him again, they're like, like let's go hide in the swamp for 20 years and let some kids take care of it later. You know, it makes no sense. They should have continued the fight right away. And so that's – now Now you find out that there were all these other Jedi just scattered around. How well, I don't, I, I, I don't want to overstate that. I mean, when I say all these other Jedi, it's like five. Well, okay, yeah. fair enough, but that you know, we know of. I'm just, I'm just saying it, it almost, kind of undermines the idea of like if Yoda could almost defeat Palpatine, why couldn't the five remaining Jedi all get together? Well, and fight uh, first of all, he only knew about Obi Wan. First off, second off, within this universe, I think it makes sense because Order sixty six was a sneak attack. 
So here's yeah. the thing is that the Jedi were prepared for it. They thought these, they, they didn't see it coming. And so there's the shock of it. And they, I, I would think that Yoda and Obi-Wan, they didn't know and th there was, you know, whether you're talking about Bail Organa or you're talking about Mon Mothma, none of these people were prepared. Well, but hold on. Uh, Senator Organa just met Ahsoka at the funeral, we just found out. So he knew she well, was. Well, they, they knew each other before. They met in the Clone Wars. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, but that was the timing. That was like the end of episode one after the funeral. Or no, the end of episode three after the funeral, right? Because not, to, not to put real life politics into this, but <laughs> like imagine on January 6th saying, why didn't they just put Trump in jail, right? Like, why didn't they just do that? Well, that is a perfectly logical question. <laughs> it is a perfectly logical question, but at the same time, like there's a lot going on and you're not in the moment, like everyone's shuffling and trying to figure out what's going on. And this is a galaxy wide thing where thousands of Jedis are dying. So story-wise, I think it makes sense. And I think what yeah. you mean is why didn't they put Biden in jail? Cause he's the emperor taking over with order 66 right and all the, all the Brandon, right? trying to <laughs> let let's go palpatine right yeah you know jumping a little ahead i guess because we haven't gotten to tales of the jedi yet but they do see the the how order 66 works in one of the dooku episodes yeah, yeah that was i thought that was a little heavy-handed i, I <laughs> The only I mean, I thought it worked. Way to kill a Jedi is if someone that they think is a friend shoots them in the back. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's move on from uh, Book of Boba Fett. And yeah. um, oh, were we still talking about Book of Boba Fett? I didn't know. Sort but of. That, that <laughs> sums up Book of Boba Fett so well. It was like the Mandalorian and Luke Skywalker and whatever. And the actual Boba Fett stuff was pretty boring. Yeah. For real. And, and you know, for, for a guy who's basically built around that he's no good to me dead you know like there's just only so much you could do with boba fett but they just um, didn't let him do anything and, uh, no too much you know uh, fennec shan does all the work yeah yeah so um that is, that is kind of true um so the thing with obi-wan and i will i got to admit to some bias here first of all obi-wan is my favorite star wars character hands down I'm a huge fan of Ewan McGregor. I think him coming off doing the Halston miniseries to doing this is like <laughs> a incredible gear shifting of acting. <laughs> like, um, and I, I really impressed with that. There are pluses and minuses, but I've watched Obi-Wan all the way through twice. The second time I watched it um, was... Um, on my laptop on the sleeping car on taking the train to Portland, <laughs> which was really fun. Um, but the, the thing about Obi-Wan for me was I'm one of those people who at the same time would say, I don't know that we need this story, but I really want it because I like Obi-Wan. And afterwards, there are some production choices that I'm not so sure about mainly i think it should have been a movie and it should have been mm. in theaters it should have been one story one two-hour story however i really appreciate that obi-wan was a had an extremely useful arc for that character to get him from a to b 
because the guy who went to Tatooine is not the same guy that Luke Skywalker met. And I think they did a really smart job of putting him through the cycles of grief to make it a worthwhile story. And they paid off most of the scenes. Whereas I was like, I don't know if I need to see, like when they first said that Vader was going to be in it and Hayden Christensen was going to be in it, I was kind of against that idea in my head. Because I thought there's other Obi-Wan stories you could tell. And, um, and I was kind of against it, but then I think they actually paid it off. Now, that's just my overarching view. Uh, starting with Downey, uh, what were your feelings on Obi-Wan overall? Extremely similar. I love the character. I love Ewan McGregor's portrayal. I love the character in The Clone Wars. Um, I thought he was far and away the most redeeming thing about the prequels. I was excited for this show. And like you, I was apprehensive about introducing Vader to it. Um, nothing to do with Hayden Christensen. I was actually happy for him as an actor to have a chance to, you know, another bite of the apple. But uh, I just thought, you know, is this going to undermine that last meeting that they have, which until now we thought was their first meeting since Revenge of the Sith. But I actually thought that it it um, more than earned itself as being meaningful, meaningful story-wise. I agree with you about Obi-Wan's arc. And most importantly, I agree with you that whether it was released theatrically or not, because I do feel like there's lower stakes to what's happening on TV, which I think is allowing them to be better. And you're not getting decisions like, I mean, look, Rogue One turned out great, but it was very similar to Rise of Skywalker and that it was like, you know, editors came in that were essentially another director took over who's not credited and, you know, and there are reshoots and, and, you know, that movie solo, uh, the third in the sequel trilogy, all of those were like messes with like decisions being made and changed as they went. And I think the TV shows aren't really suffering from that. That is a very good point. Like, oh, this is TV. You know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to make a billion dollars to be considered uh, a success. Um, having said that, I think story-wise, from a story perspective, yes, the what is it, six hours of Obi-Wan that we got um, would work great as a two-hour movie. And there's mm. actually someone who, right after the finale aired, did like a fan edit that was up on YouTube almost immediately where they took all six hours and trimmed it down into a tight, you know, two, I think it's like two-hour, 20-minute movie. They, they actually even added some things. Uh, but for the most part, it was subtracting. And, you know, at, at, like anyone, I watched it and there were like some choices I would have made differently than they made. But overall, I thought they did a really great job. And um, that's exactly what it needed. And it, it, I didn't, uh, the stuff that I would lose, I didn't necessarily even dislike. I just don't think that it needed it. And much like Book of Boba Fett, you know, if it says Boba Fett on the tin, if that's what you think that you're getting, and then it's like all this other stuff and all these other people and it's Mandalorian episodes dropped in as great as those episodes were, those moments were, this almost suffered from the same thing where it was ostensibly a show about Obi-Wan, but instead we spent a lot of time getting to know other rebels. We obviously spent a lot of time with the one inquisitor. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't hate her character. I didn't hate her performance. Um, I did hate that so much time was spent telling her story in a show about mm. Obi-Wan. Um, and I think, yeah, that's a lot of stuff that could have been tightened. I don't think you have to lose, um, too much of what's in there to still be able to tell it. There's just a lot of filler. But overall, I liked it. And like you, I watched it twice. And um, 
Yeah, I thought it was well done. I thought the, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy was talking about the rematch of the century. And I just remember thinking like, no, there's no like in between rematch. But I also came to understand how if you are Disney, if you're Lucasfilm and you're making an Obi-Wan series and there's no Vader at all, that is kind of weird in its own way. And I, yeah, again, I, th I thought that they really figured out a way to earn it and for it to make sense and for it to really bridge the gap between where the relationship between those two characters was left and where it picks back up in A New Hope. I thought it really does bridge that gap really well. Okay, um, Issa. I, I liked it fine. It was the best of the TV shows to me. I liked it more than I liked Mandalorian. Um, I'm one of the the dissenting voices who thinks Mandalorian's fine and entertaining, but it's not really as great as everyone seems to think it is, at least to me. Um, and mostly that's because of lack of lightsabers and and really exciting moments. Um, you know, you got the which, dark saber though. Yeah, and 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 I my only the I, I have to say that I love that he doesn't know how to use the dark saber. Like I feel like in most stories. <laughs> someone finds the magic sword and is instantly the best swordsman on the planet. I like that he like cuts himself with it or whatever, which is stuff that would totally happen if a real person found a blade like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like it. It's just, it's like a TV show. It's not my favorite TV show I've ever seen. And it's sort of like, if I've never seen it, I wouldn't feel like I was really missing anything. And that's a little disappointing for something Star Wars. Like, like again, going back to what I said originally, I picture Star Wars like being on the edge of my seat in the theater with a whole theater full of people also on the edge of their seat cheering. And you don't get that from these TV shows. So, you know, that's a little unfair. Is that unfair? Yes, probably. And it's not just Star Wars. I feel the same way about the Marvel shows and, and pretty much all these other TV shows. Most of them are a little bit underwhelming and probably would have been better as a movie. I think there's this, there's this, I'm, I'll try to get back to Obi-Wan, but there's this, there's this old thing in movie making that your movie should be about like the most important moment in this character's life, you know, like to give it stakes. It has to be like, that's sort of like the, the film school thing. Like this should be the most important thing that's ever happened to this character. Uh, and it should be really interesting. And I think in these situations, again, both Marvel, Star Wars, whatever, you, you, you can't tell 10 of the most interesting moments of a person's life very easily, you know? So you, you end up having, these like disappointingly low state stories and some of some of obi-wan ended up being great i i did enjoy the vader stuff um but it was also very like you weren't you know what's going to happen there's no big surprises there and it was introducing a lot of new characters that i wasn't really that excited to be introduced i easily could see a two-hour obi-wan movie that was very similar to what happened but just had more stakes and was more exciting and felt closer to like what Star Wars should feel like. That that's that's I, I'm I'm kind of nitpicking. Like it was a fine TV show, without you know anything else to judge it against. I enjoyed watching it. So there you well, go. and they cast the wrong member of Fear uh, to be <laughs> to be a villain. In it. If there was ever a time for leaving, yeah, uh, man, to I totally forgot about that. Uh, yeah, if we're going to get into nitpick territory, I somehow had blocked out of my mind that horrific chase scene of of young Leia and, and Flea's gang. That was embarrassing. That you know what actually kind of like, ended up blowing my mind about that chase scene? Because I thought that that was one of those scenes that showed the limitations of the volume. Yeah. Right? Um, but apparently that was shot outdoors. <laughs> 
yeah that's showing make it even worse <laughs> it's showing the limitations of like trying to have grown adults chasing a child with very little a child life. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have added that I, I didn't that really would have been in Beastmaster or, or like you know, or, yeah. you know any kind of like sci-fi low budget TV fare that was being churned out. Like it was very much an action scene for one of them. I guys. should add that I really did enjoy Young Leia. She was great. She's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. The, t- yeah. the the pr- the predictable people who would predictably hate a character like that did online, but sure, I thought she was course. awesome. I also thought that was, you know, prequel. One of the problems with prequel storytelling in general is the inevitability of them you know and that's just not a star wars problem that's just prequels in general is that you know it's you know where it's all headed uh having said that that, i thought that that was one surprising thing that we got was like oh i didn't know there was going to be a young leia component to this show and that was a nice surprise and i thought a well done surprise and for the all the people that complained about it i actually think that if you go back and watch a new hope now Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Has so much more strength now after this show. Knowing the secret that they kept and that knowing that they knew each other. And I don't think that it breaks the canon there. I think... Yeah. No. And... Uh, I, really nice. I, I also think it... My last funny thing about uh, Obi-Wan. Luke Skywalker got so screwed over. Like, Leia gets to grow up in this palace. She's like a senator's kid. And, like, Luke is, like, on this farm drinking blue milk or whatever. You know what like I mean? Dirt, like a like a farm, just a desert farm. Yeah, go farm some water, Luke. Farming. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Leia ever got to go to Tashi Station to get power converters. No. That's true. That's true. But she also didn't have to deal with a droid with a bad motivator. So Exactly. <laughs> He didn't get crappy nicknames like Wormy. <laughs> Dawood, we, uh, your thoughts on uh, Obi-Wan? Well, like you guys, my, my favorite character in Star Wars is Obi-Wan Kenobi. My whole look is Obi-Wan Kenobi here. Um, and I was really kind of trepidatious about taking him off Tatooine. Um, and I, when they were going to, when it was originally supposed to be a movie, my thinking was, don't do a big adventure like in real time. I was thinking like do a kind of a last temptation of Christ movie for him. Have it be all about his spiritual journey, awakening, how he resolves all these issues within. So he's the whole time in my mind, he would be in his cave or in his hut, essentially meditating. And all the action would be, visions and flashbacks and i think you could still have that confrontation with vader or anakin or some kind of in between of vader and anakin in the spiritual realm um but i like what we got and i think some of this stuff works better over the six episodes i'm not sure that i would want him off planet in like a two-hour movie with a chase with leia i feel like the adventure with Leia works a little better being able to breathe over multiple planets and multiple episodes. Um, some of the, some of the other elements that make it so they had to do, it's weird to me that they have, some of the episodes are pretty short and they're still going to the pool of like developing other characters besides Obi-Wan and his coping with his grief and lack loss of faith. Um, What's and I liked thing? Reva, yeah. but <laughs> does it go really ahead, Dave. not bother anyone that 
Obi-Wan lost the fight and then just sat around for 20 years waiting for freaking Luke to grow up and take over the fight. Well, it's ridiculous. Here's where it makes sense in the light in light of the prequels and the, the mythology is that Anakin space Jesus. <laughs> so of course the son of space just is a big deal, right? Okay, that, like, that's a good sure. They so that up. in the myth of, in the mythology of Star Wars, it works. If it if we had gone by what we all kind of assumed it was um before there were prequels and before Anakin becomes the chosen one, right? It makes a little less sense unless there's just overwhelming might and these really are the last guys. Yeah. No, okay, that makes that makes more sense. I would also say that David, as much as it makes uh help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope better, uh, it makes there's also another worse because it's like you'd think after what they'd been David, we lost your mic, I think. Um but uh, after what he's been through with Leia, why would they even think Luke was the first choice? This little resourceful Leia can kick some ass, you know, like Jedi clearly. sexism, bro. I, mean, I, was about to say, I, I felt like they, and maybe I'm reading too many layers into it, but I felt like there was a nice, uh, and maybe it's, maybe it's retconning, but there, yeah, there was thematically something to say about sexism in here where, where it was, you know, oh, Leia's fine. And the fancy palace being raised by politicians. I got to stay here and look after Luke. That's the that's the important thing, and that he has to be sort of um, he has to be like badgered into. He has to be convinced to leave the planet to go help Leia. And I think that that's. I agree. I thought that was another much like confronting Vader again. I was like, oh, it seems kind of um, not the right thing to have him leave Tatooine. Like, how could you ever get him off there? And I thought that they came up with a compelling story reason. It that, makes sense having Leia be in danger was really the only other thing you could come up with that would that would get him to leave. And it also adds some urgency to him wanting to go get her and get right back. You know? Um, um, so go back to the like, why didn't why didn't they choose Leia thing? Um, there's a short story collection. I think it's the 40th anniversary short story collection called A Certain Point of View, Star Wars, like Star Wars, A Certain Point of View. There's a story in that one where it's, it's, I think it's the very last story in that book, but it goes to Yoda on Dagobah. I think I know which one you're talking about. No, no, not, not that one. There's another one. I can't remember who it's by, but it, it's, it, it's actually about Yoda on Dagobah and he senses Obi-Wan dying. He senses Obi-Wan becoming one with the force and Yoda uh, I think he has a conversation with Obi-Wan in that one, but he wanted to train Leia. He was like, Leia's going to be the one. Something about her, it was that's who Yoda figured would be this, the student. But Obi-Wan dies and he's like, no, it's Luke. Like, I've started Luke on the path and so you got to take Luke. And Yoda's like, but he's too much like Anakin. Like, we should teach the sister. That's some good retconning. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's in a, like essentially an obscure story. <laughs> well, it's it's all hampered, right, by Lucas going into his original trilogy without a real plan, except for A New Hope. Uh, he did and have many Calorians in his original notes. Yes, <laughs> he had Anakin Starkiller there. Yeah, um, I, I'm glad, by the way, that you are such a student of the books and everything, because you know I think first of all, Count Ags has assembled a great collection of people here that have different 
not just differing levels of fandom, but differing like experiences with it and, and whatever, because this will be a great segue into Tales of the Jedi, because I'm endlessly fascinated to know you as someone who's deeper into that, the, the literature side and the canon. Um, there's some controversy about the Ahsoka stuff. We'll get there. Tales. You're talking about the Ahsoka novel. Yes, yeah, yes. we'll get there. Um, I want to talk about some favorite moments from um, from the Obi-Wan series for me. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so um, uh, if you hadn't figured it out, we took a bathroom break, but we're a bunch of old people. <laughs> so um, uh, anyways, my favorite moments from Obi-Wan. I want to talk about uh, favorite moments from Obi-Wan as a show. And... I got to say, like, for me, one of my absolute favorite moments in the show, I really liked the character of Tala, the one that um, was the, the, the double agent for the mm. Empire. And when she sacrificed herself and said, may the force be with you to Obi-Wan right before she blew herself up to save everyone was, I, I literally got emotional. Like, I got teary-eyed watching that scene i'm not even gonna I, I don't care what anyone thinks like that moment was so powerful for me it was one of the best of the show partially because obi-wan had struggled with his connection to the force he'd cut himself off from the force and mm. was going through the cycles of grief so in that moment it was so powerful and i thought that was really great that was one of my favorite moments another one of my favorite moments was of course you know when when obi-wan like basically gets the best of Anakin and and knocks off half of his mask and we get to hear Hayden Christensen's voice and we got to see that that was such a powerful scene and Anakin saying you didn't kill Anakin I did and Obi-Wan just the the look of horror on Obi-Wan's face of like you know and it all tied into that scene where he's basically where he talks in New Hope about uh, you know he killed he killed your father from a certain point of view that that whole thing tied together really well um, for for Star Wars fans so those some of my favorite moments I really loved Obi Wan talking to Leia about um, oh you got that from your mother you got that from your father um, tying that to all of it. Um, uh, Ice Cube's son being a rebel leader is pretty cool, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but it, and obviously, the whole I love strategy and space battles and all that. So, <laughs> that whole episode where Anakin, where Obi Wan has to outsmart Anakin to get the rebels out was that scratched my Rathacon itch. Um, I love that for the same reason too. Yeah, very Rathacon and also very when you have this big grand strategy but it's being played out with the personalities because that's just mm -hmm. that's purely obi-wan knowing anakin so well that he right. can manipulate that situation and it's also an, a fault of dictatorships because you see the grand inquisitor standing next to vader being like this is real dumb but he can't do it <laughs> yeah you know? and i love as a quentin tarantino fan as anybody and if you read my work my fiction, you'll see that a lot of the suspense moments happen in dialogue, and I love when when suspense, tension, and story moves forward in dialogue. And the scene where Obi Wan says um, to Riva, 
you know, I'm bringing him to you. You know, I didn't turn myself in. I'm bringing him to you. That whole thing, like the fact that it all happened in, in story and in dialogue, chef's kiss. And um, I personally thought that was all great stuff. And yes, there was some, there was the bad Leia chase scene and there was some of the, some of the goofy stuff in the Blade Runner planet, you know, not great. Not perfect, but I like Blade Runner Planet. I liked Homeless Clone Trooper too. That was pretty great. Homeless Clone Trooper was great, and that really tied in well. If you're a Clone Wars watcher, um, but uh, overall, my thoughts on Obi Wan as a series was it was not perfect, but I loved it, and I'm super happy that um, that it was there, that it happened, that uh, that we got. Um, an Obi-Wan series. So any other favorite moments from anybody else? Um, I really liked uh, Leia being like old enough and smart enough to figure out to ask questions about her parents. Like mm. that, that seemed very, uh, very realistic. Yeah. yeah. I like that Leia is conscious of the fact that she's adopted. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was, I, I hadn't even thought about that. Totally. I like that uh, without Twilight of the Apprentice, we would have never gotten a, a live action scene where Vader's mask is broken mm-hmm. and the the James Earl Jones voice is intermingled with the Anakin voice. That was uh, for you, Issa. That's that all mirrored almost shot for shot a scene that happens in Star Wars Rebels where the opposite uh, side of the mask, and that was really the smart. Opposite side too. of the mask, which was also yeah. Smart, where Ahsoka, uh, so Issa, Ahsoka did yeah, I think it's a really. Yeah. And you hear, Anakin. I think it's a really interesting thing, yeah. right? Where people pointed out since, like, Obi Wan takes this side, Ahsoka takes this side, only Luke can get the whole thing off. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and there's no way that's an accident. And, no. and, and also that it, it speaks to the importance of the characters of Anakin's master and then also his apprentice, that each of them are the, are the people prior to Luke that get closest. Yeah. So, like, getting to the Anakin underneath Vader literally and, and figuratively, but don't get all the way because he's still, yeah. he doubles down with both of them and is like, no, I'm going to kill you. Right. And that's one of the things that the prequels actually and all this stuff helps with is that when I was a kid and I watched Return of the Jedi and Luke's like, there's good in you. I'm like, you're an idiot. There's no, good <laughs> guy. like, what are you doing? That That's never going to work. And when you watch the prequels, it changes everything for Return of the Jedi, and it makes the whole last scene with with Luke uh, like a totally and really the Clone Wars because we really get to know Anakin. Yes, yeah, over several seasons of the Clone Wars in a way that the prequels just did not provide. Uh, right, we, you know, we got very little of that heroic Anakin, and we get and the Clone Wars don't cheap out, especially towards the end. You know, we see we see some darkness, and we see him do things out of anger, and we see him take revenge and things like that. But for most of that series, Issa, um, we get the heroic. He's unorthodox. We're just speaking and to Issa now. Whatever. Yeah, I, I haven't seen all these characters. But he's, but he's uh, yeah, we get the heroic Anakin where it makes, instead of, you know, one of the criticisms of the prequels is show don't tell, right? Because I agree with you, David, about tension and, and story and everything happening in dialogue. But the other side of that coin is the show don't tell, right? Where right. one of the criticisms of the prequels is you get a scene in the elevator of Obi-Wan and Anakin going like, hey, remember all those adventures we were on? Now we bonded. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, friends. that's a bit much. I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's like the, the cartoon actually goes back and is like, let's actually show those. 
Let's actually yeah. not just have a couple lines of dialogue telling us that these two are close. Let's actually show them becoming close over a, the course of a war. Right. Yeah. yeah um, he was like a brother. Like one moments was the the echoing of that of that great scene from Rebels and and the mirroring and and all of that. And it was just cool in live action to because uh, it was like, what's the point of sticking Hayden in the suit if he's not the voice? Yeah. And if he's probably not in the suit most of the time anyway, and then yeah. getting him in the tank, getting him with the flashbacks, and then getting him there was, was just great. And for him as an actor, you know, somebody who, uh, like Ahmed Best, uh, it's, you know, was was bullied <laughs> by the public uh, for a bunch of things that weren't necessarily their fault. Um, yeah, 100% weren't their fault. I don't even think you could say weren't necessarily, you know. Yeah, I mean, I... Hayden had to deliver stilted dialogue and was told to deliver it the way that he did by George. Like that was what he wanted. And you feel bad for both Anakin actors, right? Because like Jake Lloyd really gets demolished by crappy uh, fandom and other kids. Jake Keep Lloyd talking, guy. Huh? You, you mean Jake Lloyd, the actor from Indiana? Is he from Indiana? I don't think he was born there, but I think he went to high school there. <laughs> really? Okay. So it was high school kids in Indiana that pestered him until he... He's got he's got a Hoosier connection somewhere. Okay, so he was wow. born in Colorado. There it is. Uh, Lloyd attended Carmel High School in Carmel, Indiana. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, Ky- uh, Kylo Ren is from Mishawaka. <laughs> That's right. I did know that. And uh, <laughs> Jake Lloyd went to... Issa, I'm going to tie this together. Issa went to the same high school as uh, several members of Split Lip. (laughs) Did you know that, that, Count Eggs? No, I did not. Jake Lloyd went to Carmel High School? That is actually not, well, you know, look, Jake Lloyd, you know, he was not only Anakin, he was in Jingle All the Way. That's right. (laughs) Which is the best Schwarzenegger comedy. Um... (laughs) And uh, I will stand by that. And not just because it was a running joke on Conan O'Brien, but it just was truly funny. No, I did not know Jake Lloyd went to uh, Carmel High. I will keep my yeah. opinion. Yeah, on he, he, wasn't, he wasn't born in Indiana, but he, but he uh, spent his formative years. So for, for people at home not familiar with Indiana, from what I've heard about Carmel High, it's sort of like where the bad kids from Pretty in Pink went to high school or something. Like, that's my... That, that's that's yeah when you said bad kids i was gonna say no 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 and then when you yeah it, it, it was definitely uh the the rich kid james spader in yeah. pretty right, right, sure. yeah yeah that side of the tracks um but uh enough on indiana um, yeah and where i grew up was more of the uh the judd nelson in breakfast club that is absolutely true yeah yeah <laughs> No, which is why I always was friends with the South Side hardcore kids at Indianapolis. Like, I got to say. Um, and then there was the one bridge, which was Reese. But uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, on, back to Star Wars. Um, the fun thing on Obi-Wan 2 is that it, I, I feel like in a lot of ways it connected the, uh, the tissue with the, with the cartoons quite a bit um with with clone wars and and live action so it wasn't just connecting the prequels but it was it was connecting all those and and it's cool because dave filoni wasn't i don't think he was directly involved with this show at all so um but they gave respect 
to 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 the canon in, in, in that regard. And, I think and my, kinda... my only fanboy complaint there is when we knew we were going to get flashbacks, I really wanted, I bet you guys both know what I'm going to say. I really, I really wanted uh, Obi and Anakin in the Clone Wars era. Outfit. Yeah, I would have loved that. I would have yeah, loved that I so wanted, much. I wanted, I wanted a flashback with Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars armor. That I think, good. wouldn't the like Attack of the Clones era flashback been just a little bit better? If it was a Clone Wars era flashback, yeah, uh, I mean it was cool, but I, I think instead of it being Anakin as his Padawan, like as his close friend, when they're still on good terms, oh, right? You know, something we totally skipped over is, is we did get a great live action Order sixty six. Oh yeah, it's true. Which I think it might be the first. We've gotten a lot of animated Order sixty six. We got Jedi Fallen Order Order sixty six. Is this the only live action outside of Revenge of the Sith? Well, there's, there's, yeah, there's also the Mandalorian so. one with Grogu. There's yeah, there's some man, yeah, yeah it's a little bit. I will say also the Force on the connections to Force Unleashed. I'm not a big video game guy, but um, I'm familiar. I whenever those video games come out, I always look to see if there's something I need to know. <laughs> the video games, I don't play them, but I look to see. And the fact that they connected that whole underground, the underwater prison thing to that video game was pretty cool like i'm fallen sure order. that's from fallen order yeah, yeah. fallen, order, fallen, fallen order. order yeah it, it doesn't reflect well on the empire though because it's like fallen order would have been like five years before that so they let two jedi invade the inquisitor fortress within five years well who would expect that to <laughs> i hadn't thought about it that way. right i mean come on <laughs> but i was like i remember some of the people's complaints about like them sneaking around and sort of the incompetence to the empire i'm like they were pretty incompetent on the Death Star. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obi-Wan literally is, is sneaking around on the Death Star the same way, even in a more obvious way, because he's like a little old man. In, big, in, in a bathrobe. <laughs> yeah, and what we learn later is he's wearing Jedi robes. <laughs> yeah. but, no one, but no one knew what those were anymore. Like, what? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and I will say, spoiler alert, because I have a feeling that Issa and David are never going to play Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> this bring this this is a full circle thing that ties into a lot of things we've said about Book of Boba Fett and about Obi-Wan. I I knew that Darth Vader appeared in Fallen Order, which he does. Mm-hmm. And I had reservations about it because it's like if he's supposed to be, you know, the Jedi killing, Jedi hunting, unstoppable Sith Lord, like how are you gonna fight him in the game? Uh he kicks your ass in the game. So he's uh, like yeah, Jason he's, Voorhees in that game. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool. I'm actually now. I'm actually glad that they put him in because he's in at the very end, and he is unbeatable. Like you after, have to run. after you <laughs> die quickly multiple times, you finally figure out like, oh, the game wants me to run away. <laughs> the last <laughs> you figure that out. The last little nitpick I have with Obi Wan before we move on to Tales of the Jedi. The, I think they missed an amazing opportunity. I love that Qui Gon came back in at the end right Mm. that was what we were building to he had to get through those that grief so he could communicate with obi with qui-gon um however when he was underneath the rock and anakin and anakin seemingly had defeated him and he was down there that was the perfect time for him to first hear qui-gon's voice and we talked the reason they couldn't i guarantee they planned it that way and then someone said, wait a minute, this is exactly what Spider-Man did with Iron Man when he was buried under stuff. We can't do that. Like, I guarantee <laughs> that's happened. It's the same scene, so they have to change it. You know, I actually did want to draw attention to that scene. 
<laughs> I, I wanted to say that that scene was one of my favorite parts moments in, in Obi-Wan is that despite missing that opportunity, like I really like that Luke and Leia are the ones that like bring him back up, build his hope back up, build his faith back up and make him able to like come back at Vader and just destroy him. Right. And then, but the connection with Qui-Gon there, and that was what, you know, we needed that for the connection with Qui-Gon. The, the scene, the, the yeah. actual Liam Neeson of it was maybe a little cheesy, but one thing that I do love is that Liam Neeson has voiced Qui-Gon in the cartoons. Consistently. And, consistently. And I, I heard that it's because he is militant that no one else play Qui-Gon. Like... Uh, the, the only other person to play Qui-Gon now is his son. Yeah. That is the... <laughs> And, and he, like, it doesn't matter if it's cartoons, whatever, he's, he is militant about it. And yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that he doesn't want anyone else I to I like be. that he shows up for it, which makes it all the more frustrating that we didn't get a Qui-Gon scene in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Because they shot it, but they didn't use it. and They, didn't. they shot it. It's in the novelization. It's in comic adaptation. There's a whole conversation between Yoda and Qui-Gon. Yeah. And, um... Right, and it's a it's actually a good scene in the novel, in my personal opinion. But yeah, 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 I liked it. And then, and it, it, you know, but there was a lot of stuff in the cutting room floor for Revenge of the Sith that was good. There was the Mon Mothma meeting too. Was but mm-hmm. we're getting that paid off now in Andor, so you know it's whatever. Anyways, and then so we got this put paid off in Obi Wan. That's good. So um, okay, anything else on Obi Wan before we move to Tales of the Jedi? Okay. Oh no. Tales of the Jedi, um, obviously Dave Filoni just basically said, hey, I know there's some money laying around and there's like some connective tissue I really <laughs> want to make in the cartoons. And uh, specifically, I think he wanted to do the Dooku thing. He's never going to not do Ahsoka. So we're going to yeah. get some more Ahsoka. And, um, and I know that they're kind of loosely connected in all these. Issa, is this the first time you've watched any Star Wars cartoons? It is. Yes. Yes. Any of the Dave Filoni? This is the first time. Okay. This is my first Star Wars cartoon. I think I've tried to watch a couple episodes of Clone Wars like with my kids at some point and no one was into it and we never we never kept watching. So yes, this was my first Star Wars cartoon and I really enjoyed it. So, you know, well done for making me watch it. Right. And and are you happy you watched it? I'm just wondering. Oh, I loved it. I was, I mean, the best part about it was that it was so short. And that sounds insulting, but I, and I don't mean it that way, but it was like, you know, it was a couple 15 minute episodes. It was like, it wasn't trying to tell like a whole story in and of itself. It was just like scenes essentially. And I, I thought that worked really well. And in a way it sort of bridges the gap. It introduced me to some characters I didn't know and kind of ties some stuff together. So I, yeah, it was really good. Well, and they had to answer Yaddle. Yaddle was a thing mm-hmm. that people wanted to know. Why was she in Phantom Menace and then suddenly gone? So, you know, it's the funny little things that Dave Filoni is like, I got to answer this. Yeah. Um, and in totally. Robot Chicken, y- Yaddle spoke just like Yoda, but we've now learned that that was incorrect. Yeah. Now, and now, now we really don't know why Yoda speaks the way he does because it's not like a cultural thing. <laughs> she just speaks like I Yaddle suspect like Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, she speaks, <laughs> she speaks like that. I suspect the reason Yaddle wasn't in Attack of the Clones is just because George didn't want to have to animate another one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this, this if this gets rid of my fan theory that uh, yeah, that 
Grogu is the love child, the secret love child of Yoda and Yaddle. I, I thought well, that he's fifty years old, right? So he's still within the right age. <laughs> right. Um, so here's the thing. Like, I'm not saying you say you need to go and watch all the Clone Wars necessarily. Sure. It, and certainly well, let Rebel... us make you a list. Yeah, so, but there yeah. are certain arcs in Clone Wars yeah. that are really, really good. Disney really Plus good. even has an essential episodes playlist. Okay. I feel like I have a lot of things I would add to that that they don't have in it, but I just know. I think they have like an Ahsoka list, probably. (laughs) They do. And they have a Mandalorian culture episode that it pulls from Clone Wars and Rebels. Okay. I will probably get around to it someday. Yeah. uh, I personally uh, love the Clone Wars. I think that last season where they like solved why, uh, where was Ahsoka on Revenge of the Sith was really good and important. And I, I personally think the Bad Batch is great. Um, and uh, if you don't know, um, the Bad Batch is a, a cartoon about the clone troopers who didn't follow Order 66 and kind of um, are like the seeds of rebels. And they kind of, they have this very interesting storyline that connects to Geonosis. It's fun. It's fun Star Wars stuff. They're, they're called the Bad Batch, you said, because they're, they were clones that like didn't come out right. So they all have... They all, each of them has like a weird defect, which they're kind of like the X-Men because each of their defects is like kind of a character defining superpower in a way. Like That's one's a really good tracker, one's really strong, but he's dumb. One, You know, it's fun. Okay. They're okay. a little bit like the A-Team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I wish, they, they, I, I wish it was a little bit more A-Team too. Did they escape from a top secret Imperial prison or anything? Or? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I never thought of the A-Team connection, but it is, it's kind of it is very. It is very well, now I want to watch it. Because they're on the run from the Empire, but they're also stopping to, like, help people. Oh, yeah, man. they're, mer- they're mercenaries. <laughs> yeah, they're like... It is the A-Team. Yeah, we just cracked A-team. it. <laughs> um, so, but with well, Tales of the... Now, um, Downey, what were your thoughts on Tales of the Jedi? Uh, as needed. we've as we've established on this episode, I am a mark for Dave Filoni. So um, <laughs> love that he, anytime they give him an opportunity to play, and this is the format that we know him best from. These are some of the characters that he handled best. Uh, it, it's yeah, it's I thought it was great. Um, he wrote all but one of the episodes uh, choices, which which was the uh, Dooku and Mace Windu episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love. All these great voice actors that we got back from Clone Wars and Rebels who did Obi-Wan and Mace Windu and, and Count Dooku. And of course, uh, me being a massive, massive fan of the great Christopher Lee. One of my favorite things about the Clone Wars is what they were able to do with that character in his absence, because he, of course, passed away. But uh, yeah, I loved all those episodes, um, some more than others. I liked, uh, let's see, my favorite episode is that uh it's called the sith lord i think which is the the episode and dooku and sidious um and we we go we revisit that location from the end of attack of the clones where we learned that that dooku was sidious's new apprentice yeah i I love that episode i liked all of it um and i am curious definitely you know, I haven't read much Star Wars. I, I I have a few of the books, and one of them is the Ahsoka book. And what's interesting about that last episode is it, I know there's people online complaining that it contradicts 
some elements in there, just as there were when they did the final season of the Clone Wars, that there was some contradictory stuff about Ahsoka mm. and, and uh, Maul and, and Rex and all of that. But I see this more as like, I don't know, it's kind of adapting the Ahsoka book. And sometimes in adaptations, you improve things and lose things. I don't know, I'm not that upset by it, but I know that there is a, a, um, a fear out there that if, well, yeah, I would if we're start contradicting books that it's sort of like undermining, you know, people are going to stop caring about the books and their canonicity as it, as it is. So it's not that far me. off from the book. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we're talking like minor details, right? Yeah. Well, it's like yeah. she was on sort the of. same, she was kind of on the same type of planet and the same type of thing. And for me, it was just kind of a certain point of view type of thing. Um, but, uh, but as far as, um, well, and I haven't read the Ahsoka novel. I'll admit to that. I just know about it because some of the novels I started it and didn't finish it. So. Yeah. Um, my personal feeling is, is that for the star Wars novels, it depends who's writing them, whether I can, can hang. And like, for example, anything Claudia Gray does in star Wars is great. Um, and he signed off on the Ahsoka book, as I understand it, back when he didn't think he would have a chance to right. visit any of that stuff. Yes. And and um, if anyone, especially people who are fans of, of Andor, uh, like Claudia Gray did a, a kind of a YA Star Wars novel called Lost Stars that that kind of follows, you know, two friends and one joins the Empire and one joins the Rebellion. And it's just kind of like, it's one of the best Star Wars novels I've read. It's just really cleverly written. And um, Claudia Gray also, she did a fantastic novel about a teenage Leia um, who's just dealing with the politics. And if you think like, cause I heard that concept, I was like, yeah, I'm not that into it, but Claudia Gray won me over with her work. So I was like, I'm going to see what she does. And she's able to make books like that, like really like be interesting in work. And mm. um, another Claudia Gray one I would recommend to people. She did one that takes place in the sequel era uh, called Bloodlines that um, is about the galaxy figuring out that Leia is the son of or is the daughter of Vader and how it affects the politics of the, of the new Republic. And it's yeah, that one really kind of explains why she's on the outs. Yeah, it explains why she's kind of off fighting a resistance and why people might not respond to a message from Leia asking for help um, at the end of Last Jedi. And it's very good um, as to the canon. And I know some people don't like the Chuck Windig aftermath books, but I think they're great. I think they're fantastic. And, um, and those are and that's filling in post Return of the Jedi pre Force Awakens. Yes, it's the that's like right, right after, after Return of the Jedi, right after Return of the Jedi aftermath stuff. And uh, he introduced characters that have been put into the Mandalorian and stuff like that, like Timothy Oliphant's character in, in, in Mando. Oh, okay, he's from invented that. in the Chuck Windig because in the Chuck Windig novels and aftermath, there's a whole there's all these vignettes of what's happening around the galaxy as the Empire falls. And he was one of those vignettes, right? Oh, okay. For example, it's, I'm just giving these examples to show you how the literary universe kind of plays with these things too. It's very similar to how Filoni does in the cartoons, mm -hmm. right? 
I did do one other book, which is uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, which only exists as an audiobook. And so I just yeah. was able to listen to it in the car. And um, I didn't think any of the Dooku stuff in Tales of the Jedi contradicted any of that. I thought it lined up pretty well. That that book tells basically the story of, it's basically Dooku's entire origin up to him leaving the Order. But it doesn't right. get into him, uh, you know, becoming a, a Sith Lord or anything. So. I, I don't, Dawood, do you think I missed any of the really important new Disney canon ones? Because those are the ones that I personally really like that I think uh, check out. Well, I think the High Republic in general is worth checking out. I read the um, first has, High Republic novel. I haven't read yeah. beyond that. I'm going to at some point. Yeah. Um, and I clone I think, a reader for myself. <laughs> ironically, like Claudia Gray, her uh, YA novel is really good in that one. Um, and it does, it does, it, it hits on like the larger stuff, but it's, it's a smaller scale story. Um, and the High Republic has a Wookiee Jedi. That it does. It does. Um, I was going to say, uh, in relation to how uh, the Aftermath trilogy seeds stuff in those little interludes um, that get picked up in other places, uh, there's a book that recently came out by, I think it's Adam Christopher, called Shadow of the Sith. And it's about Luke and Lando um, essentially trying to find Rey and her parents like when Rey's before she's abandoned on Jakku. Um, and it picks up with like, it's, there's a character that was in a vignette in the Aftermath trilogy that was part of this cult that collected Sith artifacts, thinking they would give them power or something. And this character has power from a mask, a Sith-like occult mask, right? Right. And, you want to hear something funny about this one, Dawood, is yeah. that I started listening to this one on audiobook. Yeah. And I couldn't take it because of how connected it was to Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I, just, I think it makes that make I think it makes it a little better. Like, but it, it could use some more. It when it was forcing me to consider Rise of Skywalker to exist. And I like <laughs> to think that this that the saga ended with Last Jedi. And so for me, I tried listening to that book and I was just like, oh no, no. No, no, I'm I can't. I'm so uncomfortable with the whole concept of like, well, this movie had these problems, but this other thing fixes it. Like, I, I'm just not comfortable with that. Like, I get that there's like this whole universe of stuff, but all this retconning, trying to improve stuff, it just doesn't sit well with me. I feel like that's like everything about Star Wars right now. <laughs> like, not, not just right now, but like for the last 30 years at least. Yeah. Like Star Wars is like, Here's a movie. Here's another movie. Here's another movie. Here's how we fill in the gaps. And here's how we make it better. Like Clone Wars essentially is like, here's how to make the prequel trilogy so much better. But even, even like going back and adding scenes to like previous to new edits of old movies, you know what I mean? Like, um, like that whole, the philosophy of just like, we're remaking this for whoever's starting now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's very different from how most things go. And I, I don't I don't love it. Like it might just be that someone new who's never seen Star Wars before who starts watching all of it now is like, oh yeah, this all fits together great, you know. But uh <laughs> as someone who's been watching it in real time, it's weird to then go back and say, Oh, well, you should have seen this scene in 1977, you know, <laughs> or like whatever. It's so. interesting because my son and I rewatched the first Iron Man 
a couple nights ago for the first time in a really long time. And it's interesting that the MCU hasn't taken that Lucasfilm track at all yeah. because watching that, all the flashbacks of Howard Stark are neither of the actors <laughs> that play Howard Stark later yeah. as the as the MCU unfolded. And it's interesting because it would it seems like it would be pretty easy for them to go back and replace those couple of scenes continuity wise. But well, well, they could have replaced Brody at any time too. They just they just keep putting out good movies and they don't have to go back and fix them. We might get this, you know, a couple uh <laughs> the TV shows haven't been I haven't been very thrilled with the TV shows, but whatever. Well, well I think that that opens an interesting space for them to deviate to keep on this little uh wandering, I guess. But if they're going to if the daredevil that they're bringing into the TV space again is this is supposed to be the same as the Netflix Daredevil then they can always just recast Iron Fist and still kind of pretend that they're the same. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, look, and the reason why I brought up Bloodlines, for example, the Claudia Gray novel, is that I actually thought that storyline just made the, the, the sequel trilogy work better. It, it, mm -hmm. it added to it. Now, the Clone Wars, the same thing. Like, um, I, I, uh, um, you know, it's funny because... For example, in Clone Wars, there's like the storyline with Yoda and the, the whole arc where he's leading the clone troopers on that battle is like very, it was an er, it was the early first time that the Clone Wars show like really like added to me, like it, it, it added, it made Yoda's position in that era, like, you know, he's a real commander, you know, he's like a real person who leads mm -hmm. troops into battle and does all that. And so it adds to it. And I get it that you shouldn't have to have the cartoons. The movies should work on their own. But at the same time, like if you're just a person that wants more Star Wars, why not enjoy like deepening that world? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm fine with it. But at the same time, like the movies have to work on their own. But like and, and I think the original trilogy does work on its own. But Obi-Wan adds to it. The original trilogy works on its own, but the prequels add to it. It, I think the prequels made the original trilogy worse. Like that, was I know you you feel that way, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, for me personally, it I don't feel that way. Um, you know, at the and and I think, you know, it's interesting. What next time we'll be talking about Andor, and it's interesting to see uh, because, you know, it's Star Wars diving into real life politics again, which is something that people did not like about the prequels, but. Um, you know, we're, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, the prequels, I, I feel like a lot of stuff could be forgiven. It's just all of it can't be forgiven. You know, like, yeah, if there was like a lot of political stuff that wasn't very interesting, but there wasn't like spinning's a good move, I'm going to try spinning, then maybe like <laughs> I would forgive one of those. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like and all Jar Jar the, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jar Jar and this and the robots and all the, you know, there was just so many things that were dumb that it was hard to, uh, you know, and leaving Anakin's mother a slave and, you know, like a thousand, there are a thousand things that just didn't make any sense in the movie that, so it's hard to pick on the politics particularly. I don't know, I think leaving her a slave spoke well to how rigid and dogmatic the Jedi Order had become and uh, which led to their downfall. Anakin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's yeah. interesting about that is I think in the in the story pre Disney an enslaved person. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The, in the um, pre Disney 
expanded universe materials. As I understand it, I don't, I don't think I ever read a source directly on this, but there was like a storyline where Qui-Gon had sort of sent temple money to be used to pay for Anakin's mom's freedom. And that's how she ended up with, uh, with, uh, that's Lars. Oh, yeah. Now, now they've done something else. It was very prime directive to leave her in. The, they've done something else now where um, it's Padme that's kind of responsible for it. So she sends one of her handmaids, which I think it was like the one that Kira Knightley played, <laughs> um, to Tatooine to get involved with, like, to, I think, like, I haven't read the book, but it's like to initially check up on Anakin's mom's status, but then she gets involved with, like, the anti-slavery movement on planet and later that leads to her liberation and then her working in the anti-slavery movement on Tatooine. And Clone Wars showed us how Anakin feels about slavers. Sure did. <laughs> yeah. Watch that easily. You got to watch it. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so with Tales of the Jedi, my personal, I didn't give my personal feeling. I like that they're short. I like that we got these you know more jedi stories i thought uh dooku dropping that giant door on yaddle was brutal <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh i thought that it showed him his fall kind of like it put it into stark terms um i thought it was funny that it answered you know where yaddle went from being this background character in phantom menace because Star Wars fans need to know why this character was sitting there in Phantom Menace, but not there to attack of the clones. So like 20 years later, we get a cartoon. And we also know why nobody went looking for her because she says that she left the Jedi yeah. Order. She left the council. She tells Dooku that. So yeah. Also explains yeah. When they quit, they just go, all right, they're done. Yeah. But why are Jedi's all such bad tacticians? Like she pushes open the, like, first of all, she sees them and she's like, oh yeah, I'll just convince Dooku to join me and it'll be cool right? Why didn't she just leave and go get the rest of the Jedi and call for help, right? Well, then that's she the... open the door and falls into the room with the Sith instead of just falling out of the room. With the Sith. Well, that's why Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi is so great because he, he talks about Jedi arrogance because a lot of it was the arrogance that the Jedi had for so long mm -hmm. that caused their downfall. Like, like one of the great lines that actually is in the prequels is when Mace Windu says um, Count Dooku is a political, you know, they're like, he's a political idealist. I think Kiyomundu says that, and Mace Windu's like, he couldn't assassinate anybody. It's not in his character. So that's that's their arrogance to where they're like, yeah, Dooku disagrees with us on stuff, and we disagree with him, but he's like basically one of us. He couldn't mm -hmm. possibly. So yeah, so it makes sense, I think, that Yaddle would think like, oh, I'm this will, he's going to take my side. This should be pretty easy. Okay, yeah. and, and for the, for the uh, I like that, that Dooku had to then, you know, sort of like killing in the heat of battle and then had to kill her in cold blood to be even more evil. Like that was, that was a nice touch. Um, I sort of Very felt much like mirroring the fall of Anakin, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it would have been, been kind of cool to be like, Hey, I don't want to kill you a little bit, but it was just like, okay, yeah, I got to kill you, <laughs> you know, but that's fine. Well, and look, Isa, if you like lightsabers, like some of the best lightsaber stuff happens in the cartoons. Got to tell you, like, I don't like absolutely, I don't like cartoon lightsabers. That doesn't that doesn't do it for me. I don't uh, know. The, one of the sickest lightsaber duels is Darth Sidious versus Darth Maul and Maul's brother. Yeah, 
And um, in all of Star Wars, and also there's, literally, there's a Maul versus Ahsoka in the final season where Ray Park actually came and did the mocap for the yeah. image. Right, and and then you also have like the 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 force sensitive witches on Dathomir. Like, there's some really cool stuff in the Clone Wars. Really Clone cool. Wars kind of starts that. Uh, Maul's just alive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I learned that from Solo, which I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't enjoy Solo very much. Yeah, and that's a terrible way to learn it. To be honest, yeah. it was great. Yeah, it I, really I, feel is. Like, I feel like that was done to reward all. I, I think it was a way to both reward and also to send people scurrying to all of the other mediums. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think the hope was that someone in the audience would be like, "What? That's ridiculous!" Was alive, and then their friend next to him goes, "Well, actually." You watch yeah. the cartoons and read the comics. That is literally the conversation I had, so it worked. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, to wrap things up, uh, we will. I hope that we will all reconvene for Andor. Um, the uh, and then we'll have some other shows in the future. I think Mandalorian season three is going to be after Andor. Um, yeah, Bad Batch season two, I think, is January. Yeah, um, and and you say I won't expect you to to show up for the cartoons, but I will expect. Uh, hey, you. I'll, don't count me out. Let me know, and maybe we'll see. Because I I've, <laughs> I've finally been watching the X Men cartoon from the nineties because uh, I got one of my daughters into it, um, and it's awful. And I I think everyone loves it because they were just little kids when they saw it. But it is. <laughs> As a huge X-Men fan, it is terrible. But whatever. And it's coming back. I know. Hopefully <laughs> the, better animation. I, I don't even mind the animation or whatever. It's just, it's such a, they, like someone had told me, I was like, I don't understand why they keep making these bad X-Men movies. All they have to do is do X-Men like 94 to 200 and it'll be like the best series of movies ever. Um, and someone was like, oh yeah, just watch the X-Men cartoon. It's just like that. And I'm like, no, it's not. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, angry about that. Whatever. Anyway, I'm, we'll watch more yeah. of the cartoon. There's a cartoon Star is Trek. more like Jim Lee's X-Men number one to whatever. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll the cartoon's very Jubilee heavy. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. They replaced yeah. Yeah. with Jubilee. Oh, come on. So there's a Star Trek fan who's like, he and his wife are really into the Star Trek animated series from the 70s. And he, he's been making these YouTube videos where he takes some of the classic moments of like, like he did Best of Both Worlds from Next Generation and made it in the 70s animation style. And it went viral, of course. And um, he did, there's an episode, there's a famously most hated episode of Star Trek Voyager called Threshold. And he remade that episode in the animated series style. And, and does he just use the voice like the he uses the same voices. voice track from the Perfect. show and um since that episode was written by brandon braga i was able to send it to him over email and it was funny because like on it it was like 10 o'clock on a friday night and he wrote me back like that's the best version that could ever be made of that <laughs> and <laughs> he's really proud of the fact that he flew too close to the sun on that episode of voyager <laughs> and um but seeing it animated, he was like super stoked. I would love to see, you know, I'm sure some people would, you know, Star, Star Wars fans do the fan edits and all that. So it's kind of similar thing, but um, we have plenty of, st- I mean, the thing is we have more Star uh, Wars um, 
animated content, but um, I do like that Star Trek is making Prodigy for kids, and I do love Prodigy more so than I do Lower Decks. I know some of you are huge Lower Decks fans on this panel, but uh, I um, love Lower Decks. Yeah, um, I I admit I am not, but um, David, we can't not talk about the first episode when they murder that uh, poor little deer-like creature. <laughs> oh. Yeah, bringing us full circle. That's because we kind of kicked off talking about that or hinting at it. Yes, right, that was start off like you gotta respect Jedi. life. Hunting episode. Yeah. See, that was before she became a Jedi, right? Yeah, so, I didn't know who she was. I was like, oh, these people must be cis. Well, <laughs> but Ahsoka also befriends that beast. So, yeah, right. yeah, that's part of the arc, right? So, yeah. so she does, yeah. And that was before she became a Jedi. And I did love that episode. Oh, did love one thing about that episode was. I love the scene when the elder came and says she's a Jedi. Uh, that was mm-hmm. great. I've always kind of wanted to see that scene and how it happened for Obi-Wan. And we got hints of it in the show when he mentioned that he had a brother. Oh, gosh. Right? And that, I, I did roll my eyes at that just because it felt like one comment that was planted to create like a bunch more stuff. You know what I mean? Like, now we're <laughs> yeah. going to You know what it is? Is like, um, so in the. 80s novelization of Return of the Jedi. It says that Owen Lars is Obi Wan's brother. Oh, wow! <laughs> so that's like a little nod to that. Huh. Okay. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about is what we'd want to see in a new Star Wars thing or whatever. And I just want to say I would like to see Sebastian Stan play a live-action Luke Skywalker and make a movie about that. Pick your era. I don't even care. I think he'd be perfect for it. I think it's got to be, that would have to be like a post-Return of the Jedi era Luke Skywalker, because you want to know what he's doing. Yeah, totally. And the deep fakery, it's uncanny valley at best, you know? I I agree. I I would much rather see a new actor do it. I think with the deep fakery, we got to we got to teach this generation well, I guess it's our generation too. People people need to just be grown-ups. Like, grow up, suspend your disbelief. Right. understand that yes. this is a different actor playing the same character yeah like, um, yeah soap operas have been doing it for decades you know and, be, <laughs> like, and, and because oh, and because oh, solo wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be i think it's it scared them off of that yeah that was the so, and it's just so funny to see them say like we learned our wasn't lesson that... no more new actors playing playing old characters and it's like that wasn't the problem yeah. with solo and they said no. that about obi-wan they were like we're bringing back hayden and ewan because no more it's like they're both they're they, both they, new they, actors. That's what they were, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you just you just watched Iron Man, who played Rhodey. You know, <laughs> like who cares? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It didn't, and it doesn't. Yeah, gosh, were we supposed yeah, to have no, and, and guys right. Howard for the rest of all the Marvel movies? <laughs> yeah, that drives me nuts when people are like, "Why is Pike's quarters so big on on the Enterprise and Strange New World? Like Kirk's quarters were like this big, and it's like use your fucking imagination and just." Yeah. Enjoy. That is endlessly frustrating. I agree, and it's budgets and fifty years later, it's something else, man. Like, come on, like, yeah, use your imagination. Kurt's quarters were always that big; you just couldn't tell. Why, and, why, why did people from other starships have different federate, like different symbols than the Federation symbols? Yeah, use your imagination. So well, okay. if we're, I think if, now they're like they have different uniforms now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if they were going to be really tight about canon, like. Um, if you read that, because now that I'm reading all the memos, the production memos, they were very clear that there were only 12 ships in Starfleet in the memos, like, you know, 
And what uh, a fleet. <laughs> and also they were constantly reminding riders that they only had two tricorders. So stop riding so many tricorders into scenes. Um, <laughs> for example, it's really not everybody can have one. Yeah. Um, there's one for uh, in a letter to Norman Spinrad who wrote Doomsday Machine where because he wrote in the landing party that when they beamed over to the other ship that everyone pulled out their tricorders and they like <laughs> literally wrote there are only two tricorders like um, which is hilarious. We can't um, build more. <laughs> right. So um, on that note for what I want um, and I'm kind of maybe what I would love to, because I'm a writer, so I would love to write this, but um, I would love to see a Star Wars movie or show that was a spot that that blended the spy story of Andor, but moved a little bit into the Jedi like force realm. Sorry, barking dog. Um, but uh, and I, I always see this as I would love to remake the Clint Eastwood movie Firefox in Star Wars, where um they're like building this like crazy um, TIE fighter that only Darth Vader can fly because you need force sensitivity to fly it. And they <laughs> have to take a fallen Jedi to break into the headquarters and steal this before the, before they take it out. And that would make an amazing. There have been a lot of uh, Clint Eastwood references today. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's the star Wars series I want because I think I would like to see them blend the realism of Andor like getting towards where we have more like force stuff and if you had like a fallen jedi who survived order 66 because he left the order and he's the one person that can break in and take this thing then you can meld those worlds and you can do it with anybody you know but um and that and that way you could eventually do lightsabers and also have a like american style spy story um that's what i would like to see so I could um, see that being like a good entry for like some inquisitor stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Could be and then because I love this, I, I like the idea that that um because I kept thinking like, well, why didn't they when I whenever they showed like Darth Vader's individual TIE fighter that's different? Mm -hmm. I, I kept thinking like, well, what makes it different? And I had my thought, like, well, a force-sensitive pilot's always gonna be able to fly a little differently. And what if they built something that was like that geared to that and that's kind of what and then it made me think of firefox because that whole movie is about the russians developing a plane that thinks that 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 flies with your thoughts to a degree <laughs> it's really stupid but great <laughs> like 80s movie another and, another star wars thing that i thought got a little bit ruined and the from the original series was that this whole the whole like no one believes in your ancient religion anymore kind of thing that was kind of a cool thing. And now it's just like, well, how come everyone doesn't believe in the force since it's always everywhere? You know, like that's well, that's more that's more a problem with how they shortened the length of time. Yeah. Between mm -hmm. them, you know, which yeah. I, I I just kind of go with it. But yeah, yeah. I mean they have like in comics and stuff tried to work on sort of building that out a little more. And that like the Empire basically has an like a a policy of repression of anything to do with the force. Right. Um, so like there's a, there's a comic storyline sort of set, it's set between empire and Jedi and it, and it, it brings back the um, Amelia Clark's character, Kira, like from solo into the mix. Huh. So she's there like messing with the rebels and leading that, that 
criminal empire, Crimson Dawn. Um, and she steals like Han frozen in carbonite from Boba for a little while. <laughs> and auction tries to auction him off to the empire because she's got a axe to grind against the empire. But there's a, another character in that who's this weird force historian. And you get into a little flashback about how the empire like repressed her and anybody and anything to do with the force in between uh, prequel and uh, prequel and original trilogy. So, but that sort of like, like rogue one gets a little iffy then because they go to a whole planet. That's a Mecca basically. (laughs) They do blow it up though. They do blow it up. Fair enough. Um, That would, uh, what do you want to see Star Wars do? Uh, honestly, I'd like to see them depart from the Skywalker saga era entirely. Um, whether that's going backwards in time to... No, not backwards, forwards, forwards in time, please. Well, they can go back far enough where they have more freedom okay, to tell enough. you more. Say, like, we could learn more about the Sith and Jedi War Okay. that sets all this stuff up. Um they could do stuff in the High Republic. I think the Acolytes series that's in in product or in development right now is kind of at the tail end of that setting. Or they could jump way ahead, post Rise of Skywalker. I don't even know if I would do anything to, with those actors. Like they may have been burned on the experience so far, I was anyway. Say, or if those actors will do anything. <laughs> yeah, I, it sounds like John Boyega is feeling pretty burned, you know. Uh, but go forward let's see what happens like 100 200 years later but i also wouldn't mind uh, a contemporary story anywhere in the timeline that's just about a different part of the galaxy and different characters you know like i think that would be fun too. I, which i think that was the idea for the ryan johnson trilogy which i'm sure isn't yeah. ever gonna happen yeah yeah he, he says it's not dead we'll see <laughs> see how much how 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 many fucks he uh gives about what people say about him but um, yeah. let's see how nice uh, that too does. Bernard Downey, what do you got? Uh, what do you want out of Star Wars? More cartoons? I, I, w- I want to see a long time ago catch up to the modern era so we can do like a Battlestar 1980. Where, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I want actually Battlestar is- 1980 is a reference that is pretty deep. <laughs> Wait, you mean Galactica 1980? Galactica 1980, yeah. I have never seen that, and I've only seen a little of the original Battlestar. It's holiday special bad. It's holiday special bad. That's what I've always heard. It's like when Dukes of Hazzard lost Bo and Luke and got (laughs) the season that was the cousins. Corey and Vance, if I recall correctly. Uh, It's it's almost that good. They replaced Starbuck and Apollo with two new guys, and it's 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 great. But the setup was that the Galactica got to Earth and it was modern day Earth, and it's just like you know, so they're like, here's Battlestar Galactica in like southern california in 1980 1980. yeah so they could save money yeah because the thing was nbc said it's too expensive so figure out a way to make it cheaper and they're like do they encounter punks yeah they they probably do i can't say that i remember remember. (laughs) But, but my thing's a real thing and as a writer i would love to tackle so you know how rogue one all sprung from just a line in an opening crawl right about you know stealing the secrets for the death star a line that I think has never been explored. Well, I, I take that back because I know it's been explored kind of in little bits and pieces, but really fully fleshed out is in the opening crawl for Revenge of the Sith. It talks about the Clone Wars 
and it says there are heroes on both sides. Uh, really, yeah. all we've seen from the Separatists are Dooku, who we know is a Sith Lord, and a bunch of droids and some like you know evil Trade Federation like super villains. Like they're all they're all clearly villains. I would love to see it fleshed out of political idealists and fighters, warriors, whatever, on the side of the Confederacy, who had legitimate grievances with the Galactic Senate, with the Republic, with the Jedi, who unbeknownst to them that they're all puppets of Darth Sidious are fighting for the Confederacy and the Separatists. Sorry, that was just very space balls, like unbeknownst to them, but beknownst to But beknownst. <laughs> uh, you so know, <laughs> this is happening in Andor a little bit. This is yeah, it is. Um, there's a novel that came out recently too called Brotherhood. That's about Obi-Wan and Anakin like right after Attack of the Clones. And it gets into, it, it riffs off of, um, you know, the, the like throwaway line in Revenge of the Sith, like that business on Cato and Nimoidia doesn't count. Mm. Like, so it gets into what that business was. And it sort of presents a situation where the, not all the Nimoidian people are separatists and they're not like, and the, I guess like the Trade Federation isn't officially part of the, the separatists, but it does get into how the Nemoidians have beef with the galaxy at large because there's a lot of racial stereotypes about who they are because of the Trade Federation and the, the like money grubbing corporatist thing, That's right? Nice. So, yeah, it, it, it's like they they're like we have all this amazing art and like yeah, we just I don't it was, appreciate I it. Was Watto who was money grubbing? Is <laughs> that too? <laughs> the trade, the trade, the Trade Federation are uh, our our World War Two. <laughs> Japanese villains. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that. Yeah. Well, look, if Dave Filoni is out there and listening because Ryan defends him all the time, we're available to write these episodes. Yeah. These uh, these shows, movies. Yes, come. I want to do some heroes on both sides. I want to see what a hero of the Separatists looks like. A yeah. Well they, yeah, they touched that a little bit in the Clone Wars with um, the like, will they, won't they boyfriend character for Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. His exactly. mom, I think, was a senator that was part of the Confederacy, but that ultimately was like, they're still pretty bad. Like these characters are good, but the leaders of the Confederacy are bad. <laughs> and uh, Forrest Whitaker and his one amazing scene a couple weeks ago in Andor that he he did mention. Uh, he mentioned all, all these factions in one way or another. Yeah. Um, I want to see. I want to see Forrest Whitaker go from what he looks like there to what he looks like in Rogue One. And this one last thing about Tales of the Jedi that I meant to meant to mention as a big Dooku fan, man, Dooku still had brown hair and a brown beard at the end of The Phantom Menace and by Attack of the Clones is full gray. Like The dark side does a number on you, apparently. <laughs> you know what was I thought was interesting about the Dooku episodes, honestly, was that like it takes... I always thought of him because of this contemporary release of these movies, right? Like I always thought Dooku is the Saruman of Star Wars. Now I think he's like, what if Gandalf turned evil? <laughs> Interesting. Because his ideals are so sound. At least they when he start starts that off. Way, but then we see him do that's the dark stuff. side, right? Then that's the dark side that just makes it. Yeah. I just like that as a Star Wars type nerd, I still think that Lord of the Rings people are like extra nerdy. So I'm just going to throw that out there. They are. <laughs> and more racist. 
<laughs> I was going to say, and more racists. More is, racists than the Star Wars fan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, uh, they found a way I to mean, do You that. know who loves Lord of the Rings? Burzum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, right, I believe uh, Burzum is a word from Lord of the Rings. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, we went hard on Star Wars, so and we had a couple shows <laughs> to catch up on, so next time... But uh, Andor, we're going to have a lot to chew on with Andor. Um, uh, Issa hasn't seen any of it. The rest of us, I'm sure, are going to watch it as it goes. I actually do like to watch week to week. I'm, I'm a person that likes little small bits being fed out. Um, and I like speculating over the week, and it's fine. But here's the weird thing about Andor for me is I never think about Andor until it's time to watch the next one. I just I, I, I do a little bit because I do think that they're I, – I love it. Don't get me wrong. I think Andor is the best thing – to happen to star wars since rogue one um and uh and it's interesting because when they announced andor my first thought was i would give a toe to write for that show um <laughs> and i'm more thinking i would give a toe to write for season two because i like what they're doing with season one of andor but i think season two is going to be more um well but but and i do think um and one thing that we'll get to when we do talk about Andor is Tony Gilroy is full of shit when he says that he doesn't give a shit about canon or Easter eggs because there's still oh, yeah. a ton of canon and Easter eggs in there. And it may be people advising him. Or I got dogs yelling. They're saying, shut up. Quit talking about Star Wars. Um, but uh, but my, uh, my feeling is, is that um, Andor... Well, anyways, we're going to have a lot to talk about with Andor because there's a lot to really pull apart with that i'm excited to hear what isa thinks when he gets there i imagine the three of us that have seen andor are all pleased so far right i mean like... it's my it's my favorite live action star wars tv yeah i don't know that i would say that it's my favorite and i think part of this is from my reticence with like some of the early reaction where people are like it's so good because it's not star warsy and uh, it's being yeah. blade runner and i was like I'm over that kind of stuff. Like, I don't want to hear that Star Wars is good when it's not being Star Wars. Right. Well, right. 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 Um, people that are like, this superhero movie is good because it's so dark and gritty. Like, yeah, no. it's not a superhero movie. I think it's more really challenging right. now to do Captain America. You know what I mean? Or to do a good Superman. Yeah, I think oh, it would be more challenging to do a Batman that's like very, very comic booky, almost like Adam West, than yeah. like what they've done now, yeah, where everybody's I'm, aping. I've sure seen that meme that was like. And or if it was done by Dave Filoni. Yes, I posted <laughs> that too. Yeah, that was great. Well, and here's the thing. I think the Andor is so great because it's not Star Wars. Is the Star Trek the Star Trek equivalent is that saying that the Orville is the best new Star Trek show, right? It's yeah. Same I love the Orville for the Orville. Yes, yeah. and I love Andor I for Andor, and and yeah. and it, it, and I like that we're getting different shades, and that's a good thing. And Picard is not Trek, and that's why it's terrible. <laughs> you know um i like the andor car but season two i love the season car. two is all that all the time because i just love all the characters so, I hate yeah. it so much. <laughs> all right I'll the one thing i'll say about andor real quick is i think they might benefit from changing the release structure a little bit i think if you did like drops of the three episode arcs it might be a little better than doing it week to week. Week to week is the worst. It's the it's evil. It's like going back in time. It's, it's we've, we've I think that works for some shows. Mandalorian it works for because it's it's episodic. 
I feel like I feel like with the Disney Plus Marvel shows, it's um, it's this like false sense of importance that I think undermines those shows because I think they're like, mm. this it's, is so you, great, you only get one a week. And it's yeah, like, when you can watch it all at once, it, you, you admit, it's not the boring parts aren't as boring, and it's more one thing. It's just better. And Dare, the Netflix Daredevil was my favorite live action superhero oh, yeah. thing, so Marvel sick. thing ever. So I, I'm right there with you. And those were those were all binge. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So um, if people want to find you, um, I know Issa, you don't want people to find you. I don't want people to find me, but I'm on I'm only on Facebook. If you want to find me on Facebook, I'm easy to find. But that <laughs> <laughs> who? Uh, the only thing I can I'll really say is that I have a, an Instagram page called at Jedi Sufism, uh, where I do a little, sometimes I do a little toy photography and throw in a little Sufi wisdom quote here and there. And I do, I play around with the like Jedi fortune cookie thing from Clone Wars, but I make it little spiritual quotes, things like that. So that's my main thing. And, uh, Downey, I need to have you on soon just to talk about Metallica and like <laughs> what you're doing all the time just a downy episode so we gotta do that soon um but tell folks how they can find uh your many ventures uh you can find me on twitter at ryan downy where i am uh, verified without having to pay for it <laughs> for the time being for the time okay. being uh and instagram ryan j downy underscore um, yeah well and uh i you should promote that you do with the Metallica podcast. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, actually, if you go to ryanjdowney.com, you can find all my various shenanigans. There's uh, Speaking Story, which is the Metallica podcast that David mentioned. And there's another podcast called No Prize from God, which is conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything between. Uh, I've, you know, I got to have Dude on that actually to talk about uh, Star Wars and spirituality. But Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then um, there's, Always other shenanigans that I'm up to, but Ryan my favorite thing he did on the No Prize from God, there was a guest where you talked about um, pre-internet gathering spaces, where like like we had People's Park in Bloomington and stuff like that. And I remember listening to that episode and being like, and and just loving that discussion because it was talking about how pre-internet you got you had to find like a space for the weirdos to all meet up. Yeah, Yeah, and that was great. Denny's and Perkins. Yes, I think so. And then um bridge and broad ripple. Yeah, um you've had some great guests on that podcast. I love that podcast too. So um on that note, uh folks, um thank you for listening. If you made it this far, you're you're a super nerd. You um you will definitely be back for Andor. So we'll talk to you then. Uh and and panel, thanks for joining me. And uh, we'll we'll talk when uh, Andor comes out. So we only have a few weeks, I think. So talk to you then. All right, then, folks. Bye.